away from Christmas, then New Year's, December 6th, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Sports Loudmouth. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loudmouth with me and Speedy Petey every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. All you have to do to check out our local listings of all our shows, go to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. And by the way, if anybody wants to call the show tonight, as we all know, most of you guys probably do. All you have to do to dial our number is 631 631- 672-3108. Speeder, what's up? In addition to it being the first show of December, it's it also the first snow we've seen of December. Well, I wouldn't call it snow. I would it was, call it flurries. It was flurries. They were coming in pretty fast. I were mean, they? I, yeah, I didn't see I it. saw them in the afternoon. Yeah, they were coming in pretty fast. What were you doing outside? You don't drive. I was walking the dog. You're walking the dog, and then you just saw a flurry, and you're like, oh, my God, no, it looks like he, a flurry. He went running in. Well, it looked like a flurry coming out of my he dog's He went ass. running uh-huh. in. No, not my dog. My you just said you dog. Saw... Not that dog. Um, I'm sorry. Hey, listen, if you saw a flurry, it might have might have came out of somewhere, you know? No. It wasn't coming out of the sky. I All right. See it. You, go, you go ask that to a meteorologist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if he was looking at your dog's ass when the snow was Nobody coming. was looking at my dog's ass. I w- and it's not <laughs> my dog. You. It's my grandmother's dog. I mean, were you picking up whatever he was dropping? No. So you just left it? Yeah. That's illegal. That's not, not a allowed. Place. Where were you? What are you talking about? So you're telling me you were walking your dog and you let your dog just drop whatever he wants to drop and you wouldn't pick it up? It's not a public place. Well, you have to carry it's around a bag. It's not a public place. I mean, come on. If I had Tommy actually speaking into a mic right now, he'd probably tell tell you the same thing I'm telling you. It's illegal to do that. You can't be doing that. Here in Long Island, there is some kind of laws to it. You cannot let your dog drop a deuce on somebody else's lawn. It's not somebody else's lawn. Well, whose lawn? It's my, my grandmother's house. So you just walked them on your lawn and say, okay, dog, take a crap? On, in their yard, yes. I, want... I, I make sure he doesn't go in everyone else's yard. I'm well, I mean, most, <laughs> most people take them a, a stroll around the building or a stroll around the houses. You know, or up the block, or, or whatever you want to do. You know how much I have to do for this. You don't think I have time to do that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to speak the truth. Here. Nor would I want to do that in thirty degree weather or whatever. It well, was. it is a little, a little cold. I mean, I, I don't 
I don't. I know you don't care. I love it. I was out with my T-shirt. I was enjoying it. No sweatshirt on. Everybody thought I was nuts. I was about to actually wear shorts this this morning, actually. So I, I, I like this weather. Anyways, at 8.30, we'll be talking to the creator of MLB Daily Dingers, our friend for the seventh time on our show. You know him as Mr. Music. We know him as Matt Musico. So he will be joining us. We love him, by the way. And he's a Mets guy. He writes for the Mets. He's fantastic. I don't know if you ever checked out of some of his stories that he's posted up. He is fantastic. Check him out. At 9 o'clock, we will be talking to former Yankees, Tigers, Royals, and Guardians, Mr. Jabba, a.k.a. Big Daddy Chamberlain. He will be joining us on our show. I'm very excited to have him on. Uh, Jabba was one of my favorites growing up, especially in the early 2000s. He was fantastic. We, uh, the, the Yankees really ruined this kid. They absolutely ruined this kid. This kid should have been in the bullpen. He should have been the Yankees' closer right after Mariano Rivera. This guy could have been as dominant, but the Yankees ruined him. They put him in the starting rotation, and, and there, there she blew. Okay, that's and then he I'm ended up say. on the Royals just to beat the Mets in the World Series. That's right. And he won a World Series. <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, oh, he could show off that ring tonight. It oh, won't be yeah. a Yankee ring. But, oh, yeah. Hey, you know what? You have to win some way or another. Didn't he win with the Yankees? Yeah, 09. Yes, yeah, that's right. So he has two rings. He actually, he actually, his last two years, mm-hmm. the Royals and, and then 2016 with the Guardians when they made it to the World Series and they should have won. He would have won three, three, with, yeah. three with three different teams. Yeah. What, what are the chances for Jabba? But he wasn't a big part of the 2009 championship. But, hey, Jabba Chamberlain got himself a ring, and so uh, we will have Jabba on a little bit later in the show. Zach Wilson was reportedly reluctant to return as the New York Jets' starting quarterback. Aaron Rodgers calls those reporters absolutely ridiculous. Oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, my God, I'm going to love this. Oh. The Yankees acquired today Juan Soto and outfielder Trent Grissom, Grissom from the Padres for five players, including Michael King. Do I like this trade? The only way I like this trade is if the Yankees be uh, they're going to be able to keep Juan Soto. That that's the only way this is going to work for the Yankees. We will get into that. Reports say that Shea Otani sweepstake is down to Dodgers, Cubs, Blue Jays, and Angels. Let's cut it out right now. It's not going to be the Angels. It's not going to be the Blue Jays. It's going to be two teams. It's either the Dodgers or the Cubs. Let's get on with it. Let's figure this out. How about let's Shea Otani actually announce it, which, by the way, I read something that by the end of this week or possibly early next week, we will know where Shea Otani is going. Aaron Rodgers called the report. Zach Wilson didn't want to start for the Jets' bull and not factually correct. Rodgers said that the Jets need to get to the bottom of whomever is behind the real story about Zach Wilson. Rodgers also added, they made it seem like it was so big drama going on, and then we had the bring in the old guy. Hey, call this young guy a square everything up. That never happens. Rodgers also added, when you use sources to try assassinating someone's character like that of Zach Wilson... Um, I have a real hard time what that is. Uh, you're basically saying that the kid is quitting on the team and doesn't want to play. Rogers also said about the media, I had relationships with a number of different media people over the last years. Uh, you get to know them and their locker room. If, you, if they put a name on something, that doesn't mean it's everything behind it. NFL insider Dove 
Kleinman uh, reports that the Jets are operating as the whole regime. Uh, Sala, Douglas, and even offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett will be back in 2024. That's because Aaron Rodgers is their new lifeline. Aaron Rodgers is on Pat McAfee every Tuesday. Okay? He's got his own opinion towards everything that's going on in the NFL. All the different rules and all the different stories that are coming out with specific players. As he spoke for Dak Prescott last week, he spoke for Jordan Love last week, and now he's speaking for Zach Wilson. Here's what I'm going to say about Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson was offered back that job, and he did take it, uh, by the way. They bring in Ripken. Ripken's going to back up. Uh, over Simeon. Simeon's is going to be the number two. Ripken's going to be the number three. Zach will be the number one moving forward. It doesn't really matter. Zach Wilson does not want to be abused by the fans anymore. Zach Wilson doesn't want to be abused by the press anymore. Zach Wilson doesn't want to be thrown under the bus anymore. And I know Aaron Rodgers has never been put in this situation because he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of this era. And he also played for one of the greatest franchises of this era. And he's respected around the league because of his talent. Zach Wilson is not respected around the league because of his talent. Zach Wilson's talent has really shown to us this year as garbage. He is not the same player that the Jets thought they were drafting a few years ago at number two. And now you sit here today and you wonder where the Jets will go in the offseason in the draft. And I, I understand where you sit here and, and you understand what, what a guy like Aaron Rodgers is doing for his teammate. And he respects Zach. He knows that Zach Wilson uh, rooted him on when he was a kid. He was his favorite player. Aaron Rodgers was Zach Wilson's favorite player. And he has a lot of respect for Zach because he's been working out with him in the offseason with him and, and getting to know the kid. But I understand why the fans have attacked him. I was one of those fans for the last couple of years sticking up for him, really backing him up with everything, with, with all the storylines behind the, the whole Zach Wilson saga over the offseason and, and why the Jets didn't decide to trade him or let him go in the offseason when they brought Aaron Rodgers in because they thought, hey, if Aaron stays here for two or three years and, he, and Zach sits behind Aaron Rodgers, maybe he develops into a fairly decent quarterback. Nobody would have expected Aaron Rodgers falling after four plays and, and ending his season. And nobody believes that Aaron Rodgers now, where the Jets have a 0.2% to make the playoffs, that he is going to come back and be Mr. Savior, Mr. Superman. That would be a very stupid move for the New York Jets. That would be a very stupid move for Aaron Rodgers. But when you're on the Pat McAfee show, and I respect Aaron for this, Aaron speaks up and he sticks up for his, his players. He thinks that the team has played really, really hard and that he believes that the fans and some of the people that work for the organization should keep their mouths shut, that it should be in-house. But again, Aaron played in Green Bay, okay? This isn't New York. I mean, that wasn't in New York. You're in New York. The press is all over the place. They're hiding in your lockers, okay? They're everywhere. If you're taking a shower, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody has a mic sitting up there by your faucet waiting uh, for you to say something in the, the shower that would cost you or, or ring, ring something up in the newspapers. 
I will say this. Aaron has been a very good teammate this year for a lot of these young players. He's helped Sauce Gardner develop into a more likable person, not only on social media, but in person. When, when Sauce came into the league last year, everybody looked at him. I, he's fun. He's energetic. But there were a lot of questions in the offseason after the Jets season that he was being a little bit more dull on social media. He was taking things off of Twitter. He was posting things and taking it off. This year, I, I think Aaron's really hidden some of the things that other players have said on social media and, and really st- been the face and been the voice of, of what the Jets are this year. And he blames himself, and I respect Aaron for that. He, he comes out there, he speaks that, if hey, if he didn't get hurt this year, maybe the Jets would be in a better position. Maybe the Jets would be in a playoff contention. Maybe the Jets wouldn't, even lose, wouldn't have lost yet this year. Who knows? But there is no way, no how, that Zach Wilson should be something that's coming out of his mouth and sticking up for. You cannot stick up for a quarterback that has done nothing this year to show any growth, okay? I understand he played well in Kansas City. I understand he won that game against the Eagles. Good for him. It wasn't because of him that they beat the Eagles. It was because of the Eagles beating themselves. The only game that he actually showed up to was against Kansas City. And by the way, I was on a, I was on a boat trip, <laughs> and I had the opportunity to almost break a TV because of the bad, terrible ref calls at the end of the game. And I'm not blaming the referees for the complete loss of that game. But what I will say with Zach Wilson is Aaron has to step away from Zach Wilson. Stop protecting the kid. I understand that you're, you're, you're like his father, a.k.a. big brother. Okay? But there's no excuses for a quarterback to be asked to step in as the starting quarterback. You're an NFL quarterback. You're making, what, $12 million a year as a rookie. You're getting paid for it. Nobody should deny not taking that quarterback one job when it's offered back to you. And again, you also look at Zach Wilson's, like, he's had his issues, no doubt, with his mental state, uh, his uh, coachability, accountability, taking responsibility, stuff like that. I I have a hard time believing that he would be so immature enough to not want to take a starting quarterback job. And I think that's what Aaron Rodgers is trying to get at there. But yeah, you're right. I don't know why Aaron Rodgers, it's any of his business. When he has to try to recover, he's trying to practice. I agree with you. There's no reason the Jets should bring him back this season at all. And it doesn't seem like they're going to now, finally. But it took about three weeks for the Jets to be able to figure that out. That's why everyone else has gotten all the criticism, too. Robert Sala, Nathaniel Hackett, et cetera, that has gotten all these criticism from that. But you wonder with Aaron Rodgers especially and also the Jets in general, those are two things that the national media definitely does love to attack for whatever reason. And obviously the Jets, they've had a laughingstock of a franchise and maybe they have the reasons to justify that. But Aaron Rodgers, with everything he says with all his relationship stuff, you can understand that kind of thing to happen. So I think maybe that's where he was getting at with the angle of, all right, these reporters are just going to attack everything we do. But yeah, to bring up Zach Wilson is definitely kind of weird where he should be focusing on himself well and also if you sit back and you wonder where the Jets are at as an organization and as a team this year they have fallen backwards everybody thought they were moving forwards and and with some of the acquisitions that they made in the offseason you bring in uh, another good running back everybody thought that that was going to give them that one-two punch that they needed 
it, it hasn't worked out. Brees Hall hasn't been really touching the ball as much as we expected the, him to touch the ball uh, this year with Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hackett's offense. And there's a lot of questions with this offense. I don't know if this offense really clicks. You, you look at Garrett Wilson. He's being double teamed. They don't have a number two. They don't even have a number three right now. When you're bringing in Gibson as your number number three, your, your slot player, and he's not seeing the ball. He's not catching the ball enough. So it, it's either... Garrett Wilson or bust. And then they use the tight ends. We thought they were going to use Ruckert this year. Ruckert hasn't really played enough this year on that offense. He's been more of a blocking tight end, which makes no sense because he really looked really good in the preseason. Mm -hmm. And then you have Conklin and uh, and Asuma, who, who, by the way, Asuma is just a waste of space. They should not be paying him. I think he's now on IR, I believe. But it doesn't matter. They should not be paying him the money that they're paying him. He's making, what, $9 million, $8 million a year. He should not be on this roster. And Conklin, he hasn't seen a ball enough this year when he's on the field. So I don't understand how this offense is being run. And all I know is when you see Zach Wilson drop out, drop back 38, 40 times, it doesn't make sense. Uh, John Tarmina, very good comment. I can see how Wilson feels annoyed, but for him to say that uh, no is crazy, what leverage does he have? Absolutely none. You have to play. If I was him, I would want to see another opportunity as the NFL quarterback because what's his future in the NFL? And that's a good point, John. I think when you look at his... Like maturity level still not being great. I don't think it would stoop so low just to do that. But there's also no reason for Aaron Rodgers to have to publicize it and make the organization look bad and make all these other people look bad. Like you're you're right. This is something that should be kept in house. And the relationship with Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers obviously seems to be good, which is a good thing for his for his growth in terms of like a human being. But as a quarterback, yeah, he has no leverage. If you're a Jet fan, you're not going to be happy to see Zach Wilson on the field on Sunday. Because all you're going to see is a kid making mistakes and not finding a way out of them when he makes them. He keeps making the same old mistake every single time he steps on the field. There is no corrections to his mistakes. And the kid doesn't see the field like you would expect a starting quarterback that's been in the league for over three years to figure it out. And you sit here, and I understand, again, going back to Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't understand why the Jets are letting out stories like this out of the locker room, wherever it's coming from. And I understand that the Jets should get to the bottom of where these stories are coming from. But how about the players? It it could be maybe one of the players that you like or maybe one of the players that uh, you wouldn't think that would come out with a story like this and and feed it to the press. So it, it, it might be somebody... In the in the locker room, that's speaking up and saying the things that they're saying about a, a, a guy like Zach Wilson. By the way, Zach Wilson didn't gain any friends from last year after not taking responsibility after losing against New England in the second game of of the season against the New England Patriots. So you you look at Zach Wilson; he's not liked by his teammates. We all know that he's not liked by the fans. He's not liked by the press. So why would Zach want to step on the field as the starting quarterback for the New York Jets? Yeah, you even saw last year, like the end the season when Mike White was starting a quarterback they made shirts for him you never saw that kind of thing with Aaron Rodgers Joe Flacco or or with Zach Wilson Aaron Rodgers obviously they were celebrating the entire offseason all the Jets all the Jets players were tweeting waiting for that kind of thing to happen because they knew that Zach Wilson wasn't the guy and like John was saying like he doesn't really have any leverage to make this complicated and it really makes the Jets organization look like a question mark too because we've seen other 
well-run organizations have bad years and not have this kind of drama surrounding them too. Like even the Giants, like the Giants, they had an issue with Daniel Jones, they had an issue with Saquon Barkley. Fine, you want to say that, but the Giants have had this kind of level of drama really since Jones got hurt and Tommy DeVito's taken over a quarterback. The Jets, they're still having it, and, and that's a huge problem moving forward when your quarterback doesn't want to even be the starting quarterback of your team and your organization. So what did the Jets do this week? They bring in Ripken, and Ripken is a fairly good backup. I He's not going to start. It's going to be either Trevor Simeons or Zach Wilson. They're going to give the reins to Zach Wilson because this might be his last chance as the starting quarterback for the New York Jets. I believe that Zach Wilson will be gone no matter what happens after what we've seen, and we've seen enough of Zach Wilson. And the fans will not allow the Jets to keep Zach Wilson on that bench, especially if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt next year. So you go into the offseason, and you wonder where the Jets go in the draft. Right now, where they sit is at the sixth pick. They could they could get a quarterback at number six. Maybe if they drop even more to the fourth or third pick, uh, do they draft a quarterback? Do they go offensive line? Do they go after a wide receiver? Because this this draft has a ton of good wide uh, wide receivers in it. So I, there's a lot of questions for the Jets. And by the way, the Jets don't have a second round pick. They lose that to the Green Bay Packers because they didn't lose their first. And because Aaron Rodgers didn't play 65 percent of the snap calls this year. They keep their first-round pick, and they lose their second-round pick, which is going to be a fairly high pick for the Green Bay Packers. So I I wonder where this is going. And I, I do believe it's going to get worse before it gets better because – the Jets are playing Texas, uh, the Texans this week. They're playing C.J. Stroud, who's one of the hot young quarterbacks in the league. He looks fantastic. The, the, I believe the Texans have something over there as a franchise quarterback. And now the Jets are going to see what a real young franchise quarterback is supposed to play like after what we have seen the garbage come out of Zach Wilson. Uh, John also says, I'm assuming they expected Lazard to be a much bigger factor in the offense than I saw as a healthy scratch a couple games ago. Do you think, barring Rodgers coming back for a title run next season, is it a lock that Devontae Adams is a Jet next season? That's a good question. It's harder, though, because if the Jets are picking a six, I don't know if they would want to trade that pick unless they trade back and try to get more picks, then trade for Devontae Adams. First of all, Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams is not going to be worth a first-round draft pick. He is 31, overall, no. He's 31 years old. He's 31. Next year, sometime next year, he'll be 32. There's no way the Jets are giving up a first-round draft pick. They have a third this year. Maybe they give up a second next year. I think he's worth probably a second and a third. He's not worth a first-round draft pick. And you sit here and you wonder, are the Jets willing to give up a top first-round draft pick for Devontae Adams? They would be foolish to do that. You have to take over a contract. Maybe Devontae Adams takes a pay cut like Aaron Rodgers did because right. he wants to play with Aaron Rodgers, but how much of a pay cut? He's making $25 million. Let's say he takes 5 or maybe $6 million off the $25, 26000000 million he's making right now. It's still a lot for the New York Jets because you have to pay Aaron Rodgers $55 million next year, even if he tries to cut that uh, obviously the money that he's going to make next year. So there's so many questions where the Jets are going to go in the offseason. They could get rid of Lincoln Tomlinson. They could get rid of uh, other players that are still on this team, Whitehead or, you know, so there are other players that they can move around where they can open up cap room. And we, we came to that thought a couple of weeks ago when we were averaging out what the Jets can knock off on their cap, where if they knock it off with an addition, I think, of $14 million or $15 million that every team is going to get addition in the offseason from the Amazon, the Amazon contract, uh, the Jets could have up to $55, $60 million if they drop some players. So 
Could the Jets get Devontae Adams? Could they add some big pieces in the offseason if they drop a certain amount of players? Absolutely. Is it going to be enough when you look at the position that the Jets are going to be in in the offseason when you have to pay Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. Yeah, and again, you also have to play Garrett Wilson down the road, too, Sauce Garner. These are always going to be guys that are premium, premium positions to make it work. Now, for next year, I think financially they definitely could make it work. It's just a matter of are the Raiders going to want to take on either next year's, like the, pre, the next year's draft picks, or they're, cause they're not gonna, the Jets are not going to trade the sixth overall pick if they have the sixth overall pick. You might as well go draft a young wide receiver and have him groom there, or you could draft something else, an offensive lineman, or they could even draft a quarterback, too, which we were talking about uh, off before that, too. Uh, by the way, we have Jeff on the phone. All right, Jeff, what's up? Errol, how are you? I'm good, man. Awesome. I love I love the Soto news. Congratulations. We will get but, into that uh, a little bit later, yes. But uh, I wanted to talk some, some, some Jets football. I'm loving the oh, Jets football. I'm sure but you are. I, 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 you know, honest question here. Do you think this season is Aaron Rodgers' fault? No. And I, and, well, let's look at it here for a minute. Joe Douglas has capitulated to everything he's wanted uh, and none of it has worked out the past couple of weeks. You yourself said Nathaniel Hackett sucks. He was brought there because of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Randall Cobb, not even getting on the field. Alan Lazard couldn't catch a cold. All these guys, you know, they, they jettisoned off Joe Flacco, who is a competent backup quarterback. I'm not saying that he should be the starter or whatever, but Joe Flacco just came in, got up off his sofa, walked out onto the street and went to Cleveland and is winning football games, right? Like you wouldn't have the Zach Wilson, Tim ball. uh, uh, Did they lose? I thought they they lost to the Rams. Yeah. Still played good. I know he's throwing touchdowns. Yes, he did. (laughs) Right. Like you wouldn't have these probably, you know, and so they bring in Tim Boyle, they bring in all Aaron Rodgers guys. I think it's to the detriment of the long-term success of this team. Like, they should have done what they wanted to do and had Aaron Rodgers fit into their team rather than saying, forget the New York Jets, it's now the New York Aaron Rodgers. I understand what you're saying, Jeff, and, and everybody everybody knows when, when Aaron Rodgers was traded to the Jets and he went up there and he was Woody Johnson and he, he said that isn't isn't supposed isn't the owner supposed to be up here shaking my hand and, and, and he obviously has that personality that drives people to him. And I understand what you're saying that Aaron Rodgers, even game number one, running out with the American flag and everybody was thinking that he was captain, captain America. And he came on the field and, and the national anthem had everybody rocking and the lights and everything. And then he falls apart and after four plays and he's out for the season. Literally. Yes. Yes. So, and I understand that, but what makes Aaron Rodgers special is, is the fact that, Aaron Rodgers can make everybody around him better. Now, on the when he's not on the field, he doesn't make everybody around him better. But when he's on the field, he has made a lot of, I would say, non-efficient wide receivers a lot better than they are. A.K.A. No- Allen, Allen Lazard. Allen Lazard is not a good wide receiver. We all know that. Every single Jet fan should understand that Allen Lazard, the only reason why he had and he got that contract, that $13 million a year from the New York Jets, was because Aaron Rodgers, that was a way to drive Aaron Rodgers to want to come here. So we all know that. Allen Lazard is so bad, and we've seen enough of Allen Lazard this year, that would sell you to understand that the Jets need to do something in the offseason to either, one, Cut this, cut the contract, and talk to Allen to take less, or you can't trade him. 
Drop him and then take the dead space and move on from him. He's not good. He's not going to make this team any better. And, and again, why is Randall Cobb on this team? Now, obviously, it's Aaron Rodgers' guy. And I understand what the Jets are trying to do. They're trying to make Aaron Rodgers happy. And, but if Aaron Rodgers is not on the field, you can see what the, the talent is when it comes to these players. Randall Cobb is a shell of himself. Alan Lazard is not good. The, every single player that they brought on, on this team from that old Packers team, including Tim Boyle. What the <laughs> hell was Tim Boyle on this team for? And, and then finally decided to drop him. I mean, I, I mean it's just it's horrible football. It's horrible. But everything, it feels like Joe Douglas made a deal with the devil because everything Aaron Rodgers wanted, it seems that he got, except for maybe David Bakhtiari, but he got hurt again. Did he want Alan Lazard? Did did he want Alan Lazard? I don't know if he did. Right, but... The, the problem is he definitely wanted Randall Cobb, and if you wanted Cobb, you wanted Lazard. Well, Randall Cobb is, is is strictly playing – really, he's not even on the field for snaps. He's really just there to coach the young players. That's what he's there for. That's why the, Aaron the, wanted him there. Right, but the problem with having him there to coach young players is he's taking up a roster spot that a young player – Does it really have. matter right now? I mean, seriously. Yes, yes, I think it does matter right now because when you look at it, right – the all like when Aaron Rodgers is done, what do you have left? If you had just like Gibson, I think Gibson's a pretty good young wide receiver. He's doing pretty well, catching some balls, making some plays from time to time. If you had more guys like that on the team, at least when Aaron Rodgers leaves, you still have a semblance of a team. Now, when Aaron Rodgers leaves, whether that be after next year, because I'm assuming he's coming back and playing next year, he has so, two years left on that contract. With obviously, he has a player option, so. Yeah, assuming he stays healthy, when he leaves, all these other guys will leave, and then what do you have? You have to start all over again on offense? That seems wildly crazy. Well, right now, the Jets are sitting at six. If if the Jets obviously drop into form in the top five, they have to look at a quarterback. They have to. I know they've made mistakes over the last couple of years when it comes they to drafting. They shouldn't look any further than an offensive lineman. But I disagree. Because right now, where where the offensive line is, Elijah Vera Tucker comes back next year. Tipman looks like he's a good player. But, they, but I love, but I love you. You've done this every year now for four years. Yep. Oh, when this guy comes, oh, when Makai Becton stops eating and being a fat pig, he's going to be great again. It's not, it's not working. It's not just obviously Makai Becton not. hasn't worked coming back from that second knee injury, and he'll get a job probably as a guard somewhere else right, in the NFL. You got to stop going. Oh, they'll be. Offensive line is what they need. Keep the quarterback from running for his life because Aaron Rodgers next year is going to be a little less mobile than normal. All right, so you draft an offensive lineman, and, and then you win, let's say, 10, 11 games next year. We're just guessing here. You bring in Devontae Adams, somehow it works out. They get Devontae Adams. That happens, by the way. I told you that. I know, I know. So let's say Devontae Adams comes in. You have Aaron Rodgers. You have the offensive (laughs) lineman. You have a great season. You win 11 or 12 games next year. You get into the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers plays another year, gets hurt. His career is over. Where do you go at quarterback? That means you're going to have to wait maybe two years to get a top-end quarterback in the draft, and you've got to start all over. And then half these guys that you extended, Elijah Veritaka, all these contracts, what are you going to do with that? Now you're set back. But you already knew that the quarterback was inevitable. By capitulating to Rodgers and and getting every old wide receiver in the league, you're also going to have to rebuild there as well. Wouldn't you rather just rebuild one position rather than four? Yeah, but the one position that's so very important, if you bring in a quarterback in the offseason to sit behind him. 
already knew that by signing him. You already knew that. And complaining about it is like, oh, well, we wanted Rodgers, but look what it's done to us. You wanted him the whole time. I'm not complaining about Aaron Rodgers. I'm not complaining no, but, about him. No, but you knew that you were going to have to replace him. Like, yeah, you knew exactly. You had, so right now, it. you're going into the offseason. You're in a top five when it comes to the draft. And you could get one of these quarterbacks to sit behind him for two years to learn yeah. this offense. Why not? Let's say Caleb Williams. I know you don't like him, but Caleb Williams is I sitting there. I don't like him. I don't... He's probably the most talented guy in All the right, draft. so let's say Caleb Williams is sitting there at six. Right now, the Jets are no. sitting there. All right, but let's just say that he is. He's sitting there at six. Or let's say the Jets move to four. Okay, he they jump from Chicago. Chicago wins another game. The Jets don't win any more games. And let's say the Jets jump Chicago at five. And let's say uh, Arizona wins another game and they fall out. And, and they're, they're at six. And the Jets jump that. And they're at four or three. If the Jets are sitting there at three or four, Caleb Williams could be sitting there at three or four. And, and, and very, He very well could. But your immediate you don't draft him? Gonna, no, because your immediate need is going to be keeping Aaron Rodgers. Like, what help is it to Aaron Rodgers to have Caleb Williams sitting on the bench? But it, it, here's the thing. You're only going to have Aaron Rodgers there for two years. You could, They're going to bring offensive linemen, veteran offensive linemen in right, I, next year. I, they're going to. I, I get it. but And, and I know that you're not going to like the strategy because you're just hung up on the like that scenario. But the better strategy would be to keep Aaron Rodgers upright, wait until the third round until Bo Nix is hanging around. Or, but and I'm just using that one name. It could be any other guys. I'm. It could be um, Devin Leary out of Kentucky, who's a big dude that can throw and like whatever. You could, and then you could just have him on the bench and be bringing him along for a couple of years, so you could do what you should have done with Zach Wilson, which was let the kids sit and learn, and then he can hit the ground running after a year or two. And it helps immediately and in the long run. You don't need to waste the fifth pick because what ends up happening is he, he sits now for two years. You have the number three, but you have the second best or second best quarterback sitting on your bench for two years. Why not? You don't know what. We, Aaron Rodgers because... sat on the bench in Green Bay behind Brett Favre for three years. Right. Right, but because you don't know what he is or he isn't, and then in a year or two, you need to decide whether you're giving him career-changing money. But, Jeff, you can see him at practices. You can see that this kid is showing up at practices, making every single throw, even with Aaron Rodgers. No, no, you you can't. Because every offseason, all I heard you say was, Zach Wilson looks great. Everyone's saying that. That's what they said. Awesome. That's what they said. But again, it, okay. So that's so that's what they said, and you can't simulate games. But they said that about Jalen Hurts. How many times? Right. I mean, Deshaun Jackson came right, out right. and spoke about this. There was a whole story about this, Jeff. That Deshaun Watson told everybody from the Philadelphia Eagles organization he was not playing, and he sat down with ownership. He sat down with the GM, look, and he said, look, "This kid look, is your franchise. Why isn't he playing? Why is Carson Errol, Wentz on the field?" Errol, it's not a shot at you. You're going, oh, that's what everyone said well fine then that's what everyone said that should just tell you right there that there's no simulating real football the underwear olympics doesn't matter they have to get in games right so it just doesn't matter so you sitting around going oh well he looks good in practice tells you nothing i understand that but if you know his talent and he has the opportunity to sit behind one of the greatest quarterbacks zach wilson had talent yeah he yeah but he also had other things going on in his brain i mean he's not coachable or accurate it's gonna be very hard to get his nfl quarterback so you're talking 
so you're talking about other things, maybe like a college kid already coming out and saying I should own a piece of the franchise well, of everyone who of anyone who drafts me. Well, like other things. I think he's lost his mind, and maybe he should stop crying on a football right, field. Well, he's well, been he's doing that three or four things. times well, this he's year. Got other things on I his mean, mind too, so we're still even. <laughs> we're still we're still on an even playing field because he's into other things now too. So Zach Wilson had other things on his mind. Oh, Caleb Williams has other things. So all right, we're even on talent. We're even on even on other things. Like this is what I'm saying. You don't like you don't want him just sitting there and you don't know what he's doing. But but we're hitting hold on one second, Jeff. If you know he's talented, you know what he's done in college, and I know what you're gonna say, Zach Wilson, we knew what he was doing. This guy won a Heisman. Zach Wilson never won a Heisman. This guy won a Heisman. He's played in an NFL offensive okay, style of right, game. He on, did. I want to call timeout on the Heisman nonsense. Okay, let's yes, see. Yes. Or no, yes, he won a Heisman. Mm-hmm. That's great. Who hasn't won a Heisman under Lincoln Riley? And are they really any good? How's Baker Mayfield doing? Baker Mayfield's still starting in the NFL. He's been in the league for a while. He's been right. he's been starting. Right. And if you had Baker Mayfield on your team, you'd be so utterly disappointed. Right I now. would be a lot happier than Zach Wilson on my team. I mean, well, right. Jets might be 500 with Baker Mayfield. Right, but right, but that offense is designed to win Heisman's because it's just about stats. They're not pumping out really great players. Why, what are you talking about? They, they've they pumped out a lot of good players. How about the wide receiver that was just drafted this past year? He's pretty damn good from Florida what, State. Mims? I mean, from, from USA. Addison. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Addison. Well, well, first of all, Addison that is not a USC guy. He no, was pit, yeah, he was pit, pit first. Guy. It doesn't matter. He, he played in Lincoln Riley's offense, did he not? And he was better at Pitt. I, I don't know. Yes, about he that. was, but again, I don't know about that. They still could count for USC helping him know the. Oh, here's offenses. the thing, and I understand. We could go back and forth about what Lincoln Riley has done and and what players came from his org. You know, obviously his style of offense. We do know that this kid is a good quarterback. And and if you go to Lincoln Riley and see all the quarterbacks that came from his offense, they've been successful in the NFL. They have been. So I mean, I mean one. Kyler well, Murray is successful. Okay, stop. Kyler Murray I'm is not successful. Really throwing underhanded interceptions. In Come the on, Jeff. The guy is successful. He is a good quarterback. Arizona is starting to win. Actually, in games. Oh, so, now. So, uh, so they're in games so, now. So Lincoln Riley has only had two two good quarterbacks. So Baker Mayfield and then and then uh, Jalen Hurts. Oh, so now he is. <laughs> I never said that. I never said that he wasn't just Alabama. I, no, that, that was Mark. That wasn't me. <laughs> well, I just want to bring that up. All right, Everyone I never goes, said oh, that. Alabama guy, no, he's not. No, Oklahoma I, quarterback, Kalen. Okay, he still he was he did come from uh, Lincoln Riley's offense. See, Speedy caught on to what I was doing. I, but it wasn't him. It was I, Mark. It wasn't were me that said that. it. It wasn't me that said it. I, I'm just speaking the truth here. So you have three quality quarterbacks that came from Lincoln, and how many? How many? Coaches that I mean, we have they, seen they, over they, the last they, they, last twenty five years that you could say three starting quality quarterbacks came from his offense. How many? Yeah, I mean, I mean, be honest though. Baker Mayfield's pretty underwhelming in the NFL. Yeah, he was a number one. Okay. He, was a, he was a number one overall draft pick, and he can barely get a starting. Well, that's because the Browns drafted him. I mean, the Browns have drafted a lot of stupid people, and, and the then they hired Freddie picks. Kitchens to be their head coach. That yes. didn't work either. Right. It didn't and make I've, sense. I've always, I've always maintained that that most of where a player lands in the draft will determine their success. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, but like, but that's the thing. They like, they don't thrive in the NFL. Jalen Hurts is thriving, not because of his passing. He's really thriving because of his running. Like he's, he's just a terrific runner. He's been, you know, I mean that tush push, you know, the brotherly shove. You've been talking about like, we're going to get into that. Oh yeah. We're going to get into that. Yeah. 
Right, but like it's not he, he's not pumping out great quarterbacks. He's just not. <laughs> and 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 to be honest, this one could be the biggest flop yet because he's had the most hype. And I don't really know about he's special. Oh, I threw an inter- I threw re- I threw an interception, so I'm gonna run in the stands and hug my mommy. <laughs> Jeff, thank and you for calling. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> thank you for calling, Jeff. All right, go Jets. <laughs> the only time you ever hear Jeff, Jeff say go Florida. Jets. <laughs> Jeff from Tampa. He 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 I he made some quality points. I'm not I'm not gonna lie to him, but to say that Lincoln Riley has not coached some good quarterbacks, that's crazy. I mean, Jalen Hurts is successful. Kyler Murray is successful. I, I mean, obviously, I, I wouldn't say Baker Mayfield successful, but he's been a quality NFL quarterback. He's been in the NFL for how many years? This is six, six years. Uh, Six years, and he's still starting in the NFL. So he's, I wouldn't say he's great, but he's quality. So he's had three quarterbacks came from come from his offense that have been successful. And Caleb Williams could be another one. That could be a fourth. How many How many coaches? I want to ask everybody. And you, we could do this as a, a survey, or we could do this as a, a poll on our Twitter account. How many coaches, how many college coaches have – have found at least three or more starting quarterbacks, successful starting quarterbacks in the NFL in the last 25 years. How many? Because I will tell you this, I can't name them. I really can't. It's not Nick Saban. Nope. I mean, he hasn't had – Tua might be the, the most quality quarterback that he's, ha- he's had. Yep. Mac Jones is a failure. You go up and down that roster and all the quarterbacks that came out from there. LSU, what would you say? Yeah, Joe Burrow? You get Burrow, and yeah, that's because they were always a running back school, not a quarterback. That's yeah. what I'm saying. If you go up and down some of these SEC schools, how about Georgia? Now, Georgia, obviously different coaches. Stafford. But, uh, Stafford, yeah. I mean, they had some quarterbacks come from that that uh, that college. And, and, and again, I, I look at where college coaches and, – and Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh was a – a co- coaching quarterback guru. How many quarterbacks come came from him? Andrew Luck. Yeah, that's it. So uh, we'll see what this kid McCarthy is going to be in the NFL. So I I, I don't I don't know, but I, I will say this: Lincoln Riley for the style of offense that he he pitches to his quarterbacks, they have been fairly successful in the NFL. Yes, Network's Jack Curry reports that the Yankees have acquired Juan Soto and outfielder Trent Grisham. From the Padres, uh, the Yankees will send pitcher Michael King, catcher Kyle Higashioka, uh, and pitching prospect Drew Thorpe, Randy Vasquez, and Johnny Brito uh, to the Padres. Reports say that Hal Steinbrenner is willing to exceed $300 million in payroll to pay Soto and also sign Yamamoto as well. Soto mentioned last week he is likely going to enter free agency no matter where he is traded to and seek a contract close to $500 million. Soto has three all-star appearances, four silver sluggers, and a World Series MVP in his career. Soto has a .284 career batting average, a .421 on base percentage, a .946 OPS, 160 home runs, and 483 RBIs. Last season, Soto had a .275 batting average, a .410 on base percentage, a .930 uh, OPS, 109 RBIs, and a career-high 35 home runs. Here's the thing. The Yankees get Juan Soto. They bring in two left-handed bats, 
Verdugo, I think, was a good move by the New York Yankees. And a lot of people believed that Verdugo was going to be a part of this trade. That's why they made that trade with Boston. And listen, Boston got three, I think it was two prospects with a third edition. I think an A. Class A, yeah. Class A pitcher. So we'll see what those guys turn out to be. What I've read is none of those guys or anything that anybody has spoken about over the Yankees' farm system. So I, I, I don't think they're going to be quality players, but anything could happen. Some of them turn into good relief pitchers. We'll see how they turn out to be. Verdugo's a good player, okay? He's a career 280 hitter. The Yankees need, obviously, guys that can put the ball, the bat on the ball. This has been a problem for the Yankees. They don't hit for average. The Yankees were one of the worst in the league last year. So adding Alex Verdugo for one year, he is a free agent after this year. It gives the Yankees depth, especially left-handed power and left-handed hitting in the outfield, something they've been craving for years. So they already have a right fielder. They can move, obviously, Aaron Judge to center field. He has played center field uh, because of injury two years ago, and and he played very well. And he he could have won a gold glove a couple of years ago at center field. So um, I understand why they brought Verdugo in. This Juan Soto move, unless the Yankees know something, unless they know that they can talk, obviously, Juan Soto into signing a contract at the end of the season, because I do believe in everything that we believe in and what there his um I'm sorry his his guy his guy believes that he could make and you know who I'm talking Mr. about Mr. Boris Mr. Boris believes his agent believes that he could receive in the offseason for the type of player that he is left-handed power he hits for average hits for everything and he he, he can hit triples doubles and he, he's a good defender too the type of player that he is he is going to, and, and at the age that he's going to be next year, at 26 years old, he is going to be worth a lot of money. And and you hear what Hal Steinberger said. He came out and said that he is willing to pay over $300 million for Soto and, and pay Yamamoto for a long-term deal. The only reason why Hal Steinbrenner is willing to spend money this offseason because of the season that the Yankees had this year. With all the craziness in the offseason, Brian Cashman speaking out and lashing out to John Carlos Stanton and other players on this roster. Obviously, Hal Steinbrenner is sick and tired of sitting back and relaxing when the Yankees are not an organization for over the years like his father, um, the, the, the real George Steinbrenner, the real guy running this at the time, running this organization and, and bringing in players that nobody wanted to spend the money for. Now you, now you have a guy like Hal maybe sitting here and realizing that if he doesn't spend any money this offseason with the farm system – in the position that they are, they brought their two best young sluggers in Volpe and Dominguez up. Dominguez is out for the rest of the season, probably. He won't be back until probably August or July. Right. So he has to make a splash. And and you look at all these other teams with the Mets. Mets, uh, yeah, yeah, you heard Steve Cohen fly over there to Japan to sit down with Yamamoto and his family. Uh, you know that everybody is going to make a, a run for Yamamoto because of the type of pitcher that he is. And everything that Shea Otani has turned out to be as a player in the major leagues, as one of the best players in the league, if not the best, they think that they're getting a special player in Yamamoto. This, this move for Michael King and obviously Drew Thorpe, these are the two big players and the two big prospects. And I, Yama, again, Michael King is not a prospect anymore. He's 28 years old. But he's starting to, be, he's starting to, 
to show what he he was capable of being as a starting pitcher. Now he only and Mike said it yes uh, he said it last week. He said, "Well, how many games did he pitch last year as a starting pitcher?" He pitched about 7 games last year for the Yankees as a starting pitcher. But he had a he had a 2.75 ERA and his whip was closer to 1. You have something with a with a guy like Michael King. You're not going to have to overpay him in the offseason next year when he becomes a free agent. So, now, I'm not saying that the Yankees can't make a move in the offseason next year and bring back Michael King. But, again, the only reason why the Padres made this move is to re-sign Michael King. To figure out if Drew Thorpe and maybe even Johnny Brita becomes the pitcher that the Yankees thought he was going to be in the farm system. So, do I like this move? If the Yankees could find a way to re-sign Juan Soto in the offseason... It's, it's a great deal for the Yankees. But if the Yankees lose Juan Soto to free agency to 550, he has a, a season. And like, like Jeff said uh, last week, this guy could hit 50 home runs. He can hit over 130 RBIs. And if he does that, he is going to make probably between 500 and 550 million dollars, more than likely. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's probably where he is going to bring, bring in next year. If that's the case, the Yankees are going to lose him. And that, to me, means that losing Michael King, losing Drew Thorpe, losing Johnny Breida. Now, Michael King could tear his shoulder and might not be the pitcher that the Yankees thought he was going to be because he did tore his UCL a couple of years ago. And Drew Thorpe could be a, a complete bust. Okay? And none of these guys turn out to be anything. And if, if they win with Juan Soto this year, they win a World Series this year, then it was worth it. If the Yankees win the World Series this year with Juan Soto and he flees and goes somewhere else, it was worth it because the Yankees haven't won a World Series in about going into this year, 14 years. So, yes, if they could get if they can win a championship with Yamamoto this this season and Juan Soto and lose Juan Soto in the offseason after giving up all these prospects and all these uh, and Michael King then it was worth it. Yeah, and Scott Boris, I think, was saying that as well because they want to use it as a leverage point for Juan Soto because if he has another power-type year in Yankee Stadium, like he's very much capable of doing. He had 35 home runs in NL West ballparks outside of Colorado. They're all pretty much uh, pitcher or neutral ballparks. The American League East outside of Tampa. I know the Orioles pushed their walls back, but it's all hitters' ballparks, and Yankee Stadium, obviously, the biggest left-handed of them all. You know what? I'm, I'm reading what Josh is saying, and he says that Verdugo is a part-time outfielder, and he hits 212 with... Uh, you know, obviously uh, against lefties. You know, if he went to the Mets, he'd be excited. Max Scherzer went to the Mets, he was excited. Justin Verlander, he went to the Mets, he was excited. Every single buy, every single player that goes to the Mets, because it's not his money, he's excited about. Then they become a boss, and then he roots against them. He's done that, as as, as he not? He's done that. Jacob Degrom wins a World Series last year. I don't even know if he was happy for Jacob Degrom. This guy's been the face of the Mets organization. He was everything to the New York Mets. They didn't want to resign him. They decided, oh, you know what? And then all the Mets fans are all happy when he tore his he tore his shoulder out or his elbow out again. Oh, oh, that's why the Mets didn't want to resign him. So you gave up on a player that helped your team was was everything to your team all those years. You didn't want to resign him because you didn't want to overpay him, but you want to overpay I don't know Yamamoto. Who, you don't even know what he is? You're going to pay him a seven-year, $200 million contract, and you would be happy with that? Jacob DeGrom is a proven pitcher, Josh. You forget that? Did you forget that? I, I, I would love for you to call, Josh. <laughs> I would love for you to call. Because you know what? 
You have a lot to say about what the Yankees bring in and Verdugo. Verdugo's a career 280 hitter. Let me ask you a question on this. When they brought Lindor in, what was he a career hitter of? What was his batting average? 265, 270? But it's okay. It's okay, everybody, because the Yankees brought in Verdugo for nothing. They gave up nothing for Alex Verdugo. Nothing. No talent. Not one of their top prospects. I don't think even a double-A prospect. I think they're all class A. They gave up nothing for Verdugo because he obviously the Red Sox didn't want him there anymore. So the Yankees took a, a whim on, on a guy like Verdugo. Verdugo. Verdugo could turn out to be a 280, 290 hitter for the Yankees next year in the middle of their lineup, protecting players, and can hit for average, hit triples, hit doubles. And I'm not saying he's great. I don't know what he's going to be in this lineup. This guy was the number one prospect in baseball in 2017, 2018. And again, he's just another left-handed bat. Like The Yankees still need left-handed bats no matter what. And I think still, whether he plays a lot or not is another question. And now we have him. Let's hear okay, it, Josh. So we're going to name drop. I mean, that's fine. Number one, I wasn't insulting Verdugo. Mm. What were you doing? One. What were you doing? <laughs> I was basically giving you the splits. I, I, I know what he was. He is a, let me hold on. You wanted me to call and respond? I'm responding. <laughs> so basically, I was giving you the splits of what he is, which is why getting a guy like Trent Grisham in the deal helps because you can split time with him and Verdugo. Verdugo last year hit 212 with one home run for the whole season against lefties. Okay, we're talking about the careers average, but it's also more of a what have you done for me lately? Why would Boston just give him up, by the way, and send him to the Yankees? Because he had a problems he had problems with Alex Cora. Yeah, you know, yeah, because he showed up to a game two and a half hours late. And nobody wanted That's him. Why. So the Yankees took uh, you know, they took a, a whim on him, and, and, and maybe it pays off for the Yankees. Uh, th- yeah, the Yankees- and I never said it was a – and also, you, you were assuming mm-hmm. that I was saying it was a bad – first off, I actually like the Verdugo move. So before you want to, you know, try to I, expose me for something that I am not I, – I love exposing you, man. It's my I, favorite. I, I, I tell you what, I'll expose myself on that show. I tell you, I wish I would expose myself on the Long Island Expressway. Maybe I'll get through the highway faster. <laughs> that, might, that, might might, be, that might be a good idea. But, the point of it is this. I heard what you were saying, and I said to myself, hold on a second. He's assuming that I'm saying this is a bad move. That's not what I'm saying. And I actually compliment the Yankees for making this move today because they finally had the balls to trade prospects, which are paper, away for a superstar The Yankees player. have been trading away prospects for years. They gave up prospects for John Carlos Stanton. And then, well, now, hold on. And then you were talking about with me. I didn't even bring up Yamamoto. Well, hold on I didn't one even second. Bring him up. You don't. You brought him up. Yeah, you, you, brought you don't him want up. Yamamoto. You don't want Yamamoto. Come on. Come I, on. I will tell you this. Oh, here we go. I will say this. Here we go. Let's go. If the Mets give him, or any team that gives him eight years and three hundred something million dollars for an unknown player, they're out of their minds. They're out of their minds. Nobody's giving him three hundred million. Nobody's giving him three hundred million. Oh, dude, look, he right now, dude. His posting fee is thirty-five mil. On top of what he's getting, he's got seven or eight teams interested in him. Reports are saying that he's going to get close to around three hundred million. That somebody's going to give him that. There's and no way that somebody is going to. Somebody will. Nobody's giving him three hundred million. I'll bet I, you on I, that. I, you want to bet? That's what's bad. Sure. We'll bet a dinner. We'll bet a dinner. We'll bet a dinner. Nobody's paying him three hundred million dollars. I I think somebody's going to give him three mil. Well, alone with the posting fee, it's going to be the minimum is two fifty. All right, he'll. I think but it's going to be around two hundred million dollars. You're going to give him eight years and two fifty for a guy that we have no idea 
what he is. And, and here's the thing. Anything at all. Here's the thing. And I, I understand what you're saying. And, and I understand that the balls over there in Japan are a lot smaller. And that's what everybody's been saying all over I social didn't media. I bring up anybody's balls. You brought up somebody's balls. Listen, if you want to grab my balls, they might be small. <laughs> and you, know, you had to turn them to go actually. there. They're pretty big, actually. They hang to the floor. The right one's bigger than the left. I didn't okay? ask you about your size I'm just balls telling either. you. Small I'm just, balls, big balls. I'm just telling you the truth here. But honestly, the balls are smaller in Japan. So a lot of people believe that the grip's going to be different for these guys. And it took Otani almost three years to figure out the grip and how to throw, you know, his curveball and all the stuff that he has learned over the years. So it might take him a little while. But what this guy has and what everybody has said, all the scouts, the Yankees, the Mets, how many scouts have been over there in Japan for the last two years? The Yankees have been wanting this kid for three years, of I've course. heard. Listen, three I mean, years. Listen, that's, and, 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 and honestly, they were sending when Epler came over as the GM. That was one of the first things he did. He went over there to see him and Senga. And look what happened. Cohen went to Japan last week with Stearns. And company to Japan to go meet with him. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I, I think I, the I, Mets, and that's a, and, and that's an appreciation to the kid for the work he's done. But we have no idea what this guy is. And, I mean, and sometimes we're, we're assuming he's nobody. Get two, I mean, it, it, nobody does. That's the crazy thing. Listen, the thing with Sanger last year, it worked out, and, and Tanaka, it worked out. It it doesn't always work out that way, and that's the thing. You're, I mean, this this kid is going to get. He's going to blow past Tanaka's, what was it, 175 Tanaka got from the Yankees mm-hmm. or something? He's going to blow right past that. I don't know about like blow. I, 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 I think he's going to get about – I think he, his offer is going to be between 230 and 250. That's where I think oh, he – Oh, dude, I think it's going to be – I say between 250 and 300. No I way. I think somebody will be crazy. Yep, and I think if it gets into a bidding war, that's what's going to happen. If somebody does that, they're an idiot. Okay, and the no, Yankees. It sounds like the 100%. perfect Red Sox move. And I don't. I don't think the <laughs> no, Yankees. I don't think. I don't think the Yankees will do that. I, I do I not. And, and, and look, as far and, and by the way, did you see what I said about the whole? The, I think this this deal is going to get fixed, but right now the report that they're saying is that there's been a medical snag with two of the players. So, you know, I think that that is going to get fixed at some point with the Soto trade. So I mean, nothing's done yet. But I will say this. In regards to the soda, the Yankees had to make this deal. Brian Cashman's basically, let's call it like it is, Yankee fans are ready to put his head on the swivel. This was the same Yankee fans. This was the same Yankee fans. I was at the game. Juan Soda, I was there at the Padres game. He was sitting, I was right behind him in right field and what the Yankee fans were saying to him. And I was telling the Yankee fans, I said, why are you screaming at the kid? This kid could be a Yankee in a couple of years. Oh, and by the way, oh, just really quickly, I, you know who Alex Verdugo has a rivalry with, right? Who? Yankee fans. You got into a fight with them. Yeah, well, that's great. He's perfect. <laughs> All right, the Yankees that's should great. not trade for Stephen Kwan now. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah, what now, I'm saying. It's now the Yankee it, it fans, it's going to be good. Now the Yankee fans will be rooting for him, so that'll be even better. Uh, like, uh, I, I will say this, though. Yankees had to make this move. Obviously, if and when it becomes official, they had to make this move. Just know this. Scott Boris got an offer from Michael Conforto for four, five years, $135 million. And Boris turned it down and let Conforto go to free agency. Years before that, he had an issue with A-Rod, where A-Rod got a big deal offer. He told A-Rod to turn it down. They went to free agency. A-Rod got less money. A-Rod then fired Boris, and that turned the whole thing. 
Scott Boris will make sure that his clients get to free agency. Now, I think the Yankees would be first on the list to talk to him, of course, since he's on the team. It all depends on how the season goes. And I would think the Yankees are going to be better than last year with the outfield. It's the starting pitching, though, that we still have to talk about, right? With the Yankees, they got to get in the pitcher or two. I think their pitching is fine if they're healthy. I think with Garrett Cole, the Cy Young winner, Rodon is going to be a lot better this year. I'm telling you he's going to have Cortez coming back. I just can't trust Rodon. And the only, can I just, the only reason I can say why, if I, if I may, with Rodon, in the last, oh God, what has it been, six or seven years, mm-hmm. he's had two very good seasons. His Three. arbitration year. Three. It, two. No, Three. it was two. His arbitration year with the White Sox. And then his one-year deal he signed with the Giants. Other than that, he's had ERAs of four, or he's been hurt. And the Yankees were the only team that went after him last year. And I don't that have, was the only reason why that I have concerns about Rodon. I do. That's I don't just, have. I, I don't. I don't have any concerns with Rodon. And I, I know a lot of Yankee fans were sitting there and taking shots at Brian Cashman on this signing. The signing was twenty-seven million for a left-handed power pitcher who, by the way, last not last year, the year before was 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 been by all the experts saying that he was one of the top three, top four left-handed power pitchers in baseball. And now, I'm yeah. Sorry, but also, what was the year that was? That was also a contract year. That's the one thing. That that's fine. And, and his shoulder wasn't healthy last year. He was not healthy last year. Why he came back made no sense. Why the Yankees brought yeah, him back made no sense. When is Rodon the last five or six or seven years? He went with the White Sox. I don't know. Why I don't have his numbers healthy, really. in front of me. Okay, it took I him a while to develop because he had all those major injuries at the beginning of his career in the minors, and I think the second year in the league he had Tommy John surgery. So definitely took no, him a while. No, Speedy, Speedy, go look at the numbers. Go look at the year rate numbers. Go look at the game started. I'm I'm pulling you, up his numbers should, right go now. Go check it out when you whenever you have time. But as far as that, and then I mean, you want to go backwards with Jacob Degrom? Do you really want me to get into that? with you? No, Jacob I don't want to get into it. I I want to say <laughs> I want to say that because you. Let's call it like it is. Degrom left the Mets, and by the way, P.S. I was one of the first guys that actually felt sorry that he got the Tommy John. Uh-huh. I didn't wish anything bad on the guy, but the Mets made the right move by not bringing him back. Yeah, his ERA numbers were not great at the beginning of his career, but they 4.04 for a 23-year-old and still a good strikeout strikeout numbers, 168 and 165 innings pitched is still pretty good. His second year was pretty damn good, even with his ERA over four. He, he still pitched very well. Yeah, now eight, yeah, but, but, 18 and 19 are a little more you see what I'm saying rocky. with the consistency, though, and the amount of games because that he, he started, li- too, Listen, though. when you're a power pitcher and you throw a lot of fastballs, your your arm's going to go. Yeah, and, and the Yankees knew that, and the Yankees had to take a chance with that, but you need it. They had but to you, make the move because they needed starting pitching. You need left-handed power. You never. You need. You need left-handed that. power in Yankee Stadium. That's why the Yankees needed to do that. And by the way, go look at his numbers against left-handed hitters. I mean, he shut down left-handed hitters all those years. He's great. He's one of the best. He's one of the best strikeout guys when it comes to striking out left-handed batters. So that's why the Yankees brought him in there because they face a lot of left-handers. It's a, it's a left-handed power ballpark, and they need to strike out those guys. So that's why the Yankees did it. And now you bring in Juan Soto and Verdugo. Why do you think they brought those guys in? One, Verdugo is a career 280 hitter. Two, when you look at... Uh, you know, Soto and what his career is, he's he's close to a 280, 275 batting average in his career. You get you bring in two guys, left-handed power, both guys, and by the way, go look at Verdugo's numbers in Yankee Stadium. Go look at his numbers in Yankee Stadium against Yankee Yankee pitching. They're ridiculous. 
He kills the Yankees. He's one of the peskiest guys the last three years. He kills the Yankees. So, I mean, that, that's something that you have to look at. And, and again, I don't know what Verdugo is going to be. He's only there for a year. Maybe the Yankees resign him. Whatever it is. Soto. It's, ha- a, one, it's a one-year deal for Verdugo. They got him for essentially a couple of lower-tier guys. That's what they got him for. Really, the, the, the big thing is the Soto one. That was the one they had to get done because they had to do something. He's, because the thing is, <laughs> Yankee fans are already getting annoyed because Cashman came out and said yesterday that LeMay used the starting third baseman for them this year. And Yankee fans are already flipping out. Why? Because they. And then that's when Yankee fans. But here's the reason. But but here's the problem with the Yankee fans. And I'm going to sit here. I'm a Yankee fan, and I'm going to attack the Yankee fans. What do you want the Yankees to do? You're going to. You're. You've heard Hal Steinberg come out and say that he's willing to overpay for Soto in the off season. So he already said he'll pay more than three hundred million dollars for Juan Soto. And then he even. And I I know that he said he's going to pay more than three hundred million dollars for Juan Soto. That he didn't say how much, but he said I think he's willing. more than one year. It's a $300 million payroll yes. for the year, not the he, he said that, and he also said Yamamoto, he said he's absolutely willing to go after Yamamoto and, and get Juan Soto and pay for them. So, if he came out and said that, why are the Yankee fans crying about who's going to play third base? Does it really matter? And by the way, DJ LeMayu, he's, he's a shell of himself, but is he really that bad? If, if DJ LeMayu could give you even 270, if you could get Great defense at third base and give you, I don't know, 260, 270, and give you about 50 RBIs and 15 to 20 home runs. That's that's pretty good for a guy in the infield who's uh, up there in age and still doing what you expect him to do, play defense. That's his strength, yeah. his defensive side. They need guys not to strike out. What are they going to do? You're going to bring in Chapman. Chapman, no. he's a better defensive player than T.J. LeMayu. There's no question that he is. But how much better? And are you willing to pay Chapman three years, $150 million? His offensive numbers have really regressed, too, the last two years. So it definitely would be because— can I, can, I, can I just rebuttal? Yeah. Uh, but I thought you said sometimes buying championships isn't always the best option. Yep. But isn't that kind of what the Yankees are doing, though? Not really. They they've put around players. They put a core of players. They have Aaron Aaron Judge, Volpe, they a Cole, hold on, and Soto. Uh, I, I'm just telling you what they did. What did the Yankees do in the years in the '90s when they won championships? They built around four to five players, right? So let's go look at the Yankees roster right now. Who do, who are they building around right now? So let's go through it. Basically, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge, no, Anthony Volpe. They have, they have uh, Torres. Torres. They, they tra- but he's still a guy from the farm system. They traded him when he was in the farm system for the Cubs. He's yeah, from the Yankees. Point, the trip, but I'm saying a Volpe, uh, but Volpe's played one year. It doesn't matter. He won a Gold Glove, did he not? Did he not? He had, he, he was the first Yankee. He's the first Yankee and and first shortstop for the Yankees to hit over twenty something home runs and steal thirty bases. Okay, no Yankee has ever done that. All right. And he won a gold glove. He's the first shortstop for the Yankees to win a gold glove in his rookie season. All right? So, and all the great shortstops the Yankees have had over the years, and they've had a lot of good ones. He's the first to ever do it. So, that says a lot about what Volpe could be. And then you have Dominguez. He's another core player that the Yankees are going to build their team around. Dominguez, Volpe, Torres, and Judge. That's four guys right there. That's four guys right there. But can we really count as a core, core guys that if they've only maybe played a year or half a year, can we give them at least more than a year? To oh, hold on one second. Mariano Rivera, how long was he with the Yankees when they won a championship as he, he was the eighth Rivera inning guy? Rivera came up in what, 96? Nine, nine, no, no, he came in 94. 
came in 94. He played a sure, little bit in 95. And yeah. then he, he and was then 96. At 90, but he wasn't even the closer. No, he yeah, wasn't. Bucks didn't want to make him the closer. He was the closer in 96. He became the closer in 96. Yes. After, after, he, I think it was, was Wetland. Yeah, yeah Wetland was the closer because Buck though. was unwilling to make him the closer. Mm-hmm. Well, we know that, yes. You know. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Mr. Let's go, let's go. Let's go back over there. Bernie Williams, how long was he in the league before, before the Yankees won their first World Series? I mean, I came in 93. He came in 93. The Yankees won a World Series in 95, 96. Okay, so he's only was in the league for two years. These guys played more than a year, though. Two years. And that's what Volpe is going into his second year. Aaron Judge is Volpe. You could put in there. Volpe, that's fine. If you want to add Volpe in there, I have no problem with that. But you're building around. But the Yankees, what the Yankees are trying to do is they're trying to add a core. They have core players that they believe are going to be future guys. They didn't trade Volpe. They already said Dominguez and Volpe. We're untouchable because they're their future. Aaron Judge right there, and then obviously Torres. Those are the four guys that they have. Now, I don't know if Torres is there for the long haul. I don't know if he is. But they have a core of players they're building. Oh, they should dive a trade, Torres. That's just my opinion. I, I, I think so, too. I think so, too. And, and build their farm system back. And, and by the way, the outfield spots, they, they got to figure out all these outfield spots. If you're adding Grisham in this deal, with Verdugo, Soto, Judge, Dominguez, all these guys. Here, you got to find spots for these guys, and, and it's it's fine. You need a rotation, right? You're playing 162 games, right? Of I mean, John Carlos no. Stanton. I mean, at some point, you're going to have this somebody. Uh, there's going to be a guy or two that's going to be pissed John, off. And say, say, yeah. say Dominguez comes back. Verdugo's hitting what? He, you said he's what? A career 280 hitter. Yeah. So say he's hitting 288, right? 289. Mm-hmm. You, are you are you are you going to pull? You're not pulling Judge and Soto out of the lineup. Are you going to pull Verdugo out of the lineup? No, they're going to play the hot guy. That's what Boone, Boone is going to do. Then, then what's Dominguez going to do? Dominguez goes back to AAA again. Well, they can let him heal more. Dominguez, so. <laughs> first of all, Dominguez right now is – they're saying he won't be back until August. So we might not even see Dominguez this year. I heard July, but that's for either or. July, August, it's all summertime. Yeah, and the matter. Yankees could take time and make sure that he's 100% healed. And when he comes back, he's going to get his – he has to get his legs under him. So that's going to take a little while. So by the time the playoffs come, are they going to start Dominguez, a young, a young guy that's never been there? Probably not. They're gonna they're going to play the veteran players, and that that's what I see when you look at the rotation of where the Yankees are when it comes to their pitching. I think the Yankees' rotation is really good on paper. It is now if they get Yamamoto, it's really really good. So we'll, we'll see what so happens. Who's their rotation right now? Cole Rodon, Cole Rodon, Cortez, right? It was going to be Michael King. I, I got to see what Nestor does after that injury last year. But yes, go on. I, 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 I let me see what they're. It, it's a fair. It's Schmidt only. It's a fair though. assessment. Is, He's yeah. never had a major injury, so it's a fair assessment to say that. I, I I'm looking at the rotation right now, but I, I yeah. pull up the rotation, Tommy. I, I I don't know how the Yankees are setting up because it was Michael King. Michael King was a part of that rotation. Now they just traded him. So, uh, but the I, King is no more. He's moving to what. Now, listen, I will say really quickly before you get to the rotation thing. Mm-hmm. If this trade doesn't become official tomorrow, mm-hmm. then we have to set the alarms off. Because then something is seriously wrong then. Why? Because if the medicals aren't going through and it's another day that goes by, then something is seriously wrong then. That's yeah. my opinion on it. That's how I always view trades. If trades go, Trust me, the Mets have had this a million times where trades have been done and then the medicals flop. Go or, ask the, or the Carlos Correa saga last year. Yeah, go ask the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles. Go ask the Orioles. They're the kings of making up stories with getting trades done. They yeah. can't make they, their medicals flag everything. 
All right, so I'm just saying, though, I would give it a day. Do they still have Frankie Montas? I think they do. No, no, I thought he was a free agent. No, he's a free agent. But Boris, again, the Scott Boris line <laughs> said that he's getting a, he's generating a lot of interest, and he said some stupid rhymes like he always does. Yeah. So the two guys in the trade are the only ones that are listed as obvious starters, and so the other one might be Luis Heel at this point as the fifth guy if they don't sign anyone else. Well, they, I, I'm reading right here I that mean, the Yankees those, signed I mean, him a one year I mean, deal in 2024. They'll sign a fourth to the fifth guy in the rotation. That's not the concern, but it's... I'm not it. sure. They have to stay healthy. I'm not sure, but I it's, I think he signed a one-year deal with the Yankees for 2024. Who did, yeah, that's what I that's what I'm reading right no, here. Monta, no, Boris. Dude, Boris talked about it today. He's a free agent. He's getting interest from other teams. About today. Yeah, this is from Brian Hot uh, seven hours ago. Uh, the Yankees the Yankees are reaching out about Montez, and he might be in great demand because he's fully healthy. So they might bring him yeah. back, but it's not official yet. Mm. Okay. And Brian Hawk's the one that reported about the medical, what's the Soto stuff. That's fine, and the Yankees will figure that out. The, the two guys that they wanted was Thorpe and obviously Michael King. Both those guys are not the ones that are, have, have the problem. So right. it's one of the other guys or two of the other guys, and, and they'll figure out a guy, a, a swap uh, for those two guys. The two big names that they wanted, they got. So, and I'm not really worried they about them. Bang it. Knocked it out of the park. I don't know about <laughs> knocking it out of the park. Thank you, Josh, for calling. No, uh, no problem. Oh, wait, really quickly, by the way. Kyler Murray sucks. <laughs> Goodbye, Baker Josh. Baker Mayfield's more playoff games than him. Goodbye. Goodbye, oh, yeah. Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Baker Mayfield has one more playoff games. Good job. Kyler Murray sucks. Oh, interesting. Yes, his vendetta against Kyler Murray continues because he wants to be right two years ago. Why does he? Why does he suck? Because he wants to like vent on the point that he was right two years ago in the like when he was on the show. He plays for a crappy team. Okay, who does he have to throw to? And he, he's, and they've already he's played in how many games so far this year? I think this was three now. Three. And what is their record with him as the starting quarterback? Two and one. Two and one. Kyler Murray on the Arizona Cardinals is two and one since he's come back. What does that tell you about him? What was their record before he came back? They won one game against the Dallas Cowboys. I rest my case. <laughs> So how could you say that he fu- sucks? It also would be funny if that's the reason the Cowboys don't win the division. Listen, I would take <laughs> Kyler Murray in a second, a millisecond, if, if he became available, if I was a Jet, a, a Jet GM. If I was the Jet GM, if I was Joe Douglas, and he became available, and let's say Aaron Rodgers decides to, decides to retire, I would absolutely go all in on Kyler Murray. Okay. Yeah, just because, probably be like seven and five right now with oh, Kyler Murray. Oh, seven and five. I think they have a better record than that. I mean, Kyler Murray could hide the deficiencies of an offensive line because he can move outside of the pocket. He can run and he can do all those things, run and make throws. He's very accurate. So I understand. I know a lot of people don't like Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray probably doesn't like himself because he speaks in a third person. So, I mean, I mean, last year I've heard enough of Kyler Murray. He's like, Kyler Murray. You know, doesn't feel very healthy right now. And he was speaking – every time he spoke to the press, I was like, you're speaking about yourself. I mean, why are you speaking in the third person? And he, he, he ruffled a lot of feathers over there in Arizona. But I, I still think there's no way in hell Arizona is going to be drafting a quarterback when they have Kyler Murray there. I, I wouldn't. You, you give him a long-term deal. You can win with Kyler Murray. You just need a wide receiver that can make plays. Marvin Harrison Jr. would be the biggest and the best move for them. If he be if if Arizona's sitting there at 
three or two or maybe even four. The way Kyler Murray's finding a way to win, they might fall out of that top five. They don't get Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe they get Neighbor or somebody like that. The way the Seahawks are playing, maybe they beat the Seahawks once. Who knows? <laughs> I, I mean, Arizona's finding a way to win. <laughs> Before you know it, they're going to have more wins than the Jets. <laughs> It's win two for that to happen, but we'll, we'll see. Are the Jets winning any more games? Well, that's what I'm saying. If the Jets don't win any more games, the Cardinals will still Come have to on. win two more games. The Jets aren't winning any more games. No, I don't think so either. I'm just saying, like, the Cardinals will still have to win two more games. Besides the Seahawks, I guess, uh, I don't know. Maybe, oh, no, they played Washington already, so, yeah, that doesn't work either. Uh, well, fine. Maybe they had a random upset in them. They beat the Cowboys already this year. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be funny if that's the reason why the Cowboys don't win the NFC East, because they lost to the Cardinals. ESPN's Jeff Passan reports that four known suitors for Sheotani are the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Blue Jays, and the Angels. Passan also confirms that the Rangers, Red Sox, and Mets are completely out of signing Otani. Reports also say that the Giants remain interested in Otani and could spend a lot in order to keep him away from the Dodgers. The Dodgers organization was reportedly mad at Dave Roberts for leaking that the conversations with Otani went well for them. The Blue Jays have reportedly met with Otani despite the general manager, Ross Atkins, uh, remaining quiet about it as uh, at the winter meetings. Reports say that Otani's contract is likely to be 10 years worth about $500 million or a 12-year worth about $550 million. I knew the Mets weren't going to get him. I've been saying that, and I told all the Mets fans last year when everybody says, we're going after Otani. Otani wasn't coming to the East Coast. He was never coming to the East Coast. The only team that I think he would even suggest to believe that he'd be interested in going to are the Red Sox. I don't know why, but he has some kind of love fetish for the Red Sox. He's not going to the Blue Jays. He's not going to the Rangers. He is staying out West. I believe he's going to the Giants, the Dodgers, the Cubs. Now, Chicago is not west. I would say it's central. Midwest. Yeah, yeah I would say it's central. I I could still see the Cubs landing him if they overpay for him. Sure. Um, more than likely, he's going to the Dodgers. I cannot see him going anywhere else. The Dodgers have more than enough money to pay him. They've got a great farm system. They have a great lineup. He doesn't need to pitch this year. They have a great rotation. With Otani in the middle of that lineup as their power bat, they're automatically the favorites are coming out of the National League. So it makes a lot of sense why he would wa- rather go to the Dodgers than the Giants. If he goes to the Giants, what are they winning over there? Honestly, you add a bat there, maybe they make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Their pitching their pitching's better than it, it was two years ago. And they've definitely gotten better. Uh, Bruce Bochy wins another championship with another organization. Maybe if Bruce was there and, and you bring in Shea Otani, maybe you have a chance to win a World Series. Maybe. Um, but they're not good. And, and I, don't, I don't see Shea Otani going to the Giants and signing a nine- or ten-year deal. He was with the Angels. Why would he go with it? Now, the Giants are a better organization than By the far. Angels. <laughs> they're a much better organization than the Angels. But... Why would you go to an organization, a bad organization, to another organization that's rebuilding? I, I, it doesn't make sense. And Otani's, what, 30 years old? He's going to be 30 He's this gonna year? He's going to be 30, I think, sometime this season. Yeah, so why would you do that? I, I think the best move for Shea Otani is go to the Dodgers. Um, hit in that lineup this year. 
Uh, probably hit about 45, 50 home runs in that lineup with the protection that you have over there. And then you pitch a year from now, and you become the number one starter in that rotation, which is still one of the best rotations in baseball. And they're getting Walker Bueller back this year, too. So if he comes back to form, then the Dodgers, obviously losing Arias doesn't help, but they still... We both pitchers very well. They have a young kid in Bobby Miller that played well. So Otani, I don't think they'll need him to pitch for the Dodgers this year, and he can still hit in that lineup, which was loaded last year, too. Obviously, they stunk in the playoffs, but they were loaded last year. The Cubs, it's interesting because the Cubs need him to pitch more. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they have as much of an advantage because of that reason. They paid a boatload of money for a manager. So Yes, they did. And the Giants traded for a manager in Bob Melvin, so maybe they're trying to get some stability there. And I think the, the Giants will definitely be involved in this bidding war, they're too. They're involved in every bidding war for, war for the last couple of years. It hasn't worked. Yeah, I just don't see the Dodgers backing down when they didn't spend for anything else last year. They they traded for Mookie Betts, obviously gave him the big contract, and they traded for Freeman, but that besides that, like they really have gone mostly young and like bringing in all these veteran scrap heap guys. They had a nice rookie in James Outman who had a good year. They're a mostly young team at this point. They have to pay some guys down the road, but they're not going to be afraid of backing down from having to pay Shohei Otani. And whether he gets the 10-year deal or the 12-year deal, it just fits what the Dodgers are going to do. I think the Giants, if they're going to get him, they'll probably have to give him the 12-year deal, like they were bidding for Correa when they almost got him last year. And obviously Aaron Judge, when he wanted the extra year from the Giants, and they ended up staying with the Yankees. So the Giants are going to have to do the 12-year deal. I think the Dodgers will have to do both. I, I think... Otani's going to make $500 million no matter where he goes, oh, yeah. and he's going to be the highest-paid pitcher slash power hitter in Major League history. There's no question that he's going to be that. He won another MVP this year. I can't see him going anywhere else but the Dodgers. He's not going back to the Angels. I don't know why anybody thinks <laughs> <No>. <laughs> because the Angels are one of the five teams that he's interested in going back to, going to or going back to. Uh, he would pick the Angels. It doesn't make sense. He's going to go to a team where he has a chance to win a World Series. Has he won a World Series? No. Has he played in the playoffs? Really? I mean, he played... No. I, I, never. No. So, I mean, the only time he played in the playoffs was in Japan. Yep. So, I, I, I mean, he wants a chance to win a World Series. He's not going to win a World Series with the Angels. I don't think he wins a World Series with the Giants anytime soon either. So, I, I think that the more likely move for him and... Obviously, his family is go to go to the Dodgers. You're closer to Japan. Uh, you're still on the West Coast, and you don't really have to move that far. I mean, you're you're with the Angels. Where, where, what do you have to move? Like a hundred miles? Right. Not even. I mean, just a long freeway trip with the LA traffic. Yeah, he could. Shohei Otani doesn't need that. He, he five hundred million dollars. He can still live over there in Los Angeles. Yeah, he, could, I mean? he could afford whatever vehicle he wants. I'd be fine with that. But yeah, it also doesn't make sense for the Blue Jays either. Like why he would want to go there because exactly. they've been an organization kind of stuck too. Like they're a lot. Like I think they're like the American League version of the Padres. He like, had no interest to in going to the Blue Jays. I don't know why yeah. the Blue Jays believe that they have a chance. And then you hear Guerrero, and then. Uh, Bichette yeah. come out and say that they will they won't they won't talk about their their contracts this year if they can land Otani. First of all, they're they're speaking about trading one of you guys. Mm-hmm. So why would they be talking about a contract for one of you guys yeah. or both of you guys? And why it would that incentivize Otani to go there? If, maybe one of the reasons Otani wants to go there is because of Vlad Jr. That you're going to trade him? Like it's silly. That would be. They silly. don't have enough to win a World Series even with Otani. No, I don't think so either. They have a lot of. Big contracts didn't work out on that team. Obviously, Chapman was really bad. He gets free agency now. They do have a good farm system. George Springer has been kind of a bust for them because he can't stay healthy. And they've done well with pitching. Like, obviously, Manoa was really bad last year, but Kevin, Kevin Gosman's been good. Barrios was good last year, but they still don't have a lot of stability. Like The Blue Jays are a lot like the Padres where they like to bring in a lot of these flashier guys, and a lot of these veteran hitters did not work out for them more. And even though they made the playoffs last year, they still kind of underperformed. I don't think Atkins has really been that good of a GM, and I don't think their manager has been that good either. 
So I don't know if they really have it for them to be able to make a World Series. Otani's going to the Dodgers. I'm telling you right now, you could book it. You can send it. And I predicted that the the Yankees in the middle of the season they were going to get Juan Soto. That doesn't mean that I like the trade. I if it does go through tomorrow, mm-hmm. it was said that it went through, but now Josh says uh, two guys failed uh, their. Physical, Physical. Yeah. so the Yankees are going to either have to move a player in there or two players in on the trade before this thing goes through uh, fully. But nevertheless, the Yankees are getting Juan Soto. There's no question that they are unless something crazy happens. And then Juan Soto gets his physical, and he fails the physical like Correa did, and uh, the Yankees are screwed. That's not going to happen. Juan Soto is going to be a New York Yankee. It will be announced tomorrow, and then they'll have a press coverage on Monday morning or something like that at Yankee Stadium. So you best believe you can book that. Uh, is this a good trade for the Yankees? You, you sit back and you wonder. I would say you, you, it's a wait-and-see process because if the Yankees win the World Series this year and lose Juan Soto, it was a good trade. Uh, if the Yankees get to the World Series and lose with Juan Soto and he leaves, it's not a good trade because you traded away future players that could be a part of this roster and your rotation. Michael King and Thorpe, two guys that could be maybe future two and three, or Thorpe could be your number one in the future, and Michael King could be your two or three in the future, and you just gave up two guys uh, that are heading over there to the Padres that could be their future one and two or two and three. And by the way, Snell is not re-signing with the Padres. He's another big name. How could the Cy Young of the National League be sitting around and nobody speaking about uh, a guy like Blake Snell, who, by the way, has won the Cy Young how many times? Twice. Twice. I think it's one of like only how many, 12 in MLB history. How many Cy Young pitchers in the primes of their career in their prime of their career were, were became available in free agency? Honestly. And he's, I think, one of only like 12 all time to do it in two different leagues. So I'm just asking. I, if you look that up, I would love to know how many two times Cy Young's Young Award winning pitchers have become available in free agency. I don't know. Ver- I, Verlander just recently, but that was not that. He, he wasn't in the prime of his career. Well, yeah, that's true. He, he was an old man. Yeah. I'm talking about the prime. Blake Snell is what, 30 years old? Right? 31? Mm-hmm. He's got to be that, that age. He's not that old. No, he's 30. I know. Yeah, he's, he's 30. He's in the prime of his career. Bla- Blake Snell, I mean, look, Garrett Cole got traded, uh, signed with the Yankees at the age of 30. Right? Mm-hmm. And he's been with the Yankees for how many years? Three years. He's been with the Yankees. He won one Cy Young. He was runner-up for one Cy Young. So, yes, he had the pine tar thing or whatever the hell it is, spider tap. But, but nevertheless, he's in the prime of his career. So... It's an interesting it's an interesting thought. So maybe we, we could look that maybe somebody could look that up and, and tell me the last pitcher that became available in the prime of his career that's won two Cy Youngs. When we come back, our friend, the creator of MLB Daily Dingers, our friend Matt Musico here on the Sports Lab Mouth. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouth. is the number to call. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouth. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy P. 
Petey. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including The Loudmouth, which airs every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Tune in and listen and check out our local listening on our website. All you have to do to check out our local listings is go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. This guy is an all-time great on our show. He's been on our show not once, not twice, not three times, seven times now. And we're happy to have him on as he is a Mets writer that you definitely have to check out, not on social media, but obviously on the creator of MLB, Daily Dingers, Matt Musico. Matt, what's up, bud? What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We haven't seen you in a while. I mean, you didn't come out for my birthday once again. Uh, another once birthday. Again, I didn't get an official invite, well, so I don't know what you're so upset about. Well, you know what? Don't worry. He switched places anyway, so it was all confusing. I did. I, I, I decided to switch uh, places. Was it no, no boat this year? No was boat. There, was there a boat it, no, year? It, it, it hasn't been a boat, boat for like two years, man. There's no boat. But all right. Well, I mean. You're missing I, greatness. I'm when I don't have any invites to you know, look at. Hold on yeah. one second. Do you have a girlfriend now? Do I? Yes. I have a wife and two kids. I know. That's why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> you could bring your kids to my birthday party. I don't uh, know what they I don't know if yeah, they want to see know. a bunch of people, you know, <laughs> getting wasted or something. I honestly, this year, and I before we get into some Mets conversation, this year I I, I if anybody knows me, I don't drink. The only time I drink is on my birthday. This year I had a couple of shots. And I got sick. Now, I didn't throw up, but I got sick. And it started, my acid reflux started hurting me. It hurt my chest. Speedy actually threw up before we went to the second place. No, we didn't. No, I didn't. Yes, I was, did. I was in the bathroom uh, taking a dump. <laughs> was that way? <laughs> was that way? Yes. Way, way, way. It was perceived that way. I well, was hold just... Hold on one second. How long do you take a dump? You were on that toilet for a long time. Yeah, I was also tired. 25 minutes. I was also... That was you, 20 minutes. What were you... First of all, you were on the toilet for 45 minutes. 20 minutes. I, Dude, it was 45 minutes. The DJ left by the time you got off the toilet. I mean, you were on He's the... spreading stories. Uh, it's not... M- Matt, he was on the toilet for at least 45 minutes. I don't know what kind of dump he was taking, but it must have been a massive one. And whatever he ate, man, that stomach probably boiled. But I know he, he drank some tequila before he went into that toilet. So, Ooh. and and he doesn't... He's not... He doesn't bold well when he drinks tequila. That's for sure. Look at that face of his. He knows it's true. That's not, the, that's not it at all. It I, is. 100%. I was I was tired. It was like one Oh, o'clock. so you fell asleep on the toilet. No. You just said you were tired. So what were you doing on a toilet for 45 minutes? I, you fell asleep taking a dog. I didn't fall asleep. Well, I don't know. You, you just were, said you were tired. I was winded. Is that a better word for you? Like, this is, that's a lounging type of activity. You, you take your time. I was dancing for a while, and I needed to catch my breath. Matt. And I know on. he was going to switch to another place. Matt, you go to a bar, and you're going to sit on a toilet for 45 minutes? 20 minutes. <laughs> um, no, I would not do that. I would <laughs> Even 20 around. minutes. He says it's 20 minutes. Would you be on a toilet for 20 minutes? Mm, probably not. Okay, so there you go. <laughs> but hey, <laughs> yes. Anyways, why don't we get it to the Mets? I obviously didn't have such a great year. Under five hundred, an organization that Steve Cohen came out years and years ago when he bought the team and said, five years span, we're winning a World Series. Uh, it didn't work work out with Epler. He brought all these different guys in. They all failed. I mean, obviously, some of them do things off the field, either drinking or. You know, doing things with women, whatever they they decided to do. It didn't work out with those guys. You bring in David Stearns. Everybody loved the move. I think he's a great 
a great uh, president. I think he's going to run the Mets very, very well. What were your thoughts, first of all, of bringing in David Stearns? And what were your thoughts going into the offseason after you heard Steve Cohen really backtrack and protect what he said it, uh, a couple of years ago when he bought the team? Well, I think when it comes to Stearns, that was Cohen's white whale. He's like Since the moment he took over the team in 2020, one of the things he said in one of those first uh, – press conferences that he held was that he wanted to also not only bring in a GM, but also bring in a president of baseball operations. Uh, and they, for two off seasons, they swung and missed at all the big fish that they wanted. And, they, and it seemed as if they really wanted Stearns. So they, he was very, very patient. He had that infamous press conference in June after they had the awful month that really kind of torpedoed their season officially. Uh, he had said a couple of times then he's like, look, I've been really, really patient. I want someone who, I'm very confident in that can take the, the franchise in the right direction. And all the signs pointed to Stearns, kind of similar to how we thought all the signs for their manager was pointing to council as well, too. But in, in this sense, it actually happened with Stearns. So, I mean, I think everyone's really excited. I think if you take a look at social media, I think some Mets fans are getting a little bit impatient with the, uh, the smaller moves that he's making. But obviously, those are important, too. Um, but as we saw last year, the Mets went balls to the wall with all of their uh, offseason acquisitions, and it didn't work out. So, I mean, you know, you can do as much as you can in, in the winter, uh, but nothing really actually matters until you see what the team really does uh, during the season. So um, I think a lot of people need to hold on to their judgment until we actually see what the Mets do. But I'm excited. It seems as if it's been rave reviews from you know, top to bottom and the, throughout the industry. People think he's going to uh, do a really good job. He's got that experience of working in the small small market and putting together a consistent winner, but now he has the money to be able to back up the other things that he wants to do. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he actually does. And when it comes to Cohen's, uh, that initial remark about winning the World Series within three to five years, look like you want to set high goals. Like obviously you're not coming into this thinking, okay, well maybe like 10 or 20 years from now, maybe we'll win a championship. Um but also when he said that, I mean, he had never run a baseball team before, never saw what the day-to-day -day was like. I think he actually said that himself, too. He's like, now I actually see all the things that go into it uh, and, you know, how you can put together a really good team. And then you get to October and it's really a crapshoot in many occasions, especially when you have a short series and people don't uh, perform the way that they're supposed to perform and things like that. So, I mean, it's not like he's not committed to winning a world series. I mean, his actions speak louder than his words. I mean, he just flew to Japan for God's sakes to go meet with Yamamoto and his family. So um, I'm not too worried about him backtracking on that. He said what he said, he knows he can't take it away. He can't, can't take it back now. So he's just going to have to live with it and hope that it happens sooner rather than later. Yeah, so Yamamoto, obviously a big name that the Mets have been rumored in, and also Corbin Burns because of the Brewers factor uh, as a potential trade. Do you think either of those are realistic for the Mets? I, I think anything is realistic for the Mets right now, and just because of the way that they've operated the last couple of years. I think the, the top priority for them and also many other teams is going to be Yamamoto because it just is going to cost them money. Uh, and it fits into that mold of what they're trying to build for right now. Like, yes, they are trying to invest in the team and be competitive in 2024, but also with Yamamoto, he's, what, 25 years old? You know, he signs seven, eight, nine-year deal. He just goes into his early to mid-30s. That kind of fits exactly the kind of player that they want. Um, I saw some report that they were thinking, potentially thinking of Snell as maybe a backup uh, frontline starter if they don't get some of their top choices. Um 
But this is the kind of player that they would want. Someone who is younger and they can have for multiple years, like a, well, not, not necessarily like a Sangha, but, um, but be able to have a nucleus together for a period of time. Uh, and someone who can have that long-term deal, there's going to be risk associated with any type of long-term deal. Um, but it, I feel like it's not as bad of a risk if it's going to be a younger player. So um, I think that's that's the top priority. I think with the way that they've acted, uh, it seems like a top priority. But also, at the same time, there's plenty of competition. He's going to go I think Yamamoto's coming over to see the Yankees on Monday. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what that uh, pursuit will look like. I mean, with between him and Otani, like those two guys just need to sign so everything else can start to move. They're the bottleneck right now. We are talking to the creator of MLB Daily Dingers, Matt Musical. You know, Matt... You look at this team and going into the offseason, everybody was talking about Pete Alonzo and, and what he is going to be asking for. Some people say between 280 to 300 million. Uh, we all know who his, uh, his agent is in Scott yeah. Boris, who yeah. looks to get the highest amount of money he can for each and every one of his players. Where you look at Pete Alonso going into the offseason, some people said that David Stearns was going to look to move him. There were some rumors that the Cubs were interested in him. Then there were some rumors that other National National League teams could be interested in him. Do you think that David Stearns' first optional move with one of their star players and one of the faces of this team is to move Pete Alonso? No, no. Pete's not going anywhere uh, definitely not before opening day. And Cerns has said as much as well, too. I think it is introductory presser. He said that. He said that Pete's not – he doesn't anticipate Pete going anywhere. Obviously, you don't want to speak in absolutes when you're in a position like his. But at the same time, guys who hit 40 homers and drive in 120 runs a year or, or close to that in a year don't grow on trees. And I think Stearns is not stupid. He knows that – like, Pete is essentially the anchor of that entire offense. I mean – uh, the offense was not very good last year, and he still had a really good year from a power perspective. But think about it. If you take him out and you're, you're saying that you want to compete in 2024 uh, and trying to like thread that needle of being competitive but not sacrificing the future, you need him. So, I mean, I think the best case scenario is that they come to some kind of extension agreement before opening day um, because at the end of the day, you don't want to have to talk about this stuff over and over and over again throughout the entire year. Uh, that that wouldn't be too fun for Pete or too fun for the Mets or pretty much anyone associated with the Mets that would have to answer those kinds of questions. So um, I think at the very least, he's going to be on the Mets on opening day. We'll see how the year goes. If he's not signed to a long-term extension, he'll probably be made available at the trade deadline if things don't go well. Um, it doesn't mean they want to move him, but it's kind of like a – a due diligence kind of thing. It would be stupid not to make him available if the situation presents itself to see what they could potentially get. I mean, we didn't think that, well, I didn't think at least that they would do all the, the selling off that they did prior to last trade deadline, but look what they got in return mm. uh, by being bold and, and going in that direction. So to, a lot of pitchers have become available. Uh, we heard Dylan Seas, we've heard Shane Bieber, we've heard Glasnow, and a couple others, more of those fringe-type guys, because the Mets definitely need pitching depth. Do you think any of those guys are realistic targets for them, especially the, all of them kind of having down years last year? I feel like you – I mean, you mentioned Burns before. I think he could be a, a possibility just because he – I feel like he's all but ticketed to be out of Milwaukee. I think he's a free agent after 2024. Yes. So, um so, I mean, he, based on, like, the, the arbitration situation that he had, I think it was last year, and kind of feeling burned by the team, I don't think he's sticking around at all. So, uh, I'm sure he's a possibility. 
I feel like all of those, all those people that you mentioned, uh, maybe not necessarily cease, but maybe like a, someone like Glasnow or Bieber, like those are probably the, the kind of pitchers that they would be looking into uh, because they have that upside. They have the track record. And like you said, they had, well, I mean, to varying degrees by their standards, some of them had more down years. It was still pretty good years overall. Um, so maybe they can get them a little bit more on the cheap from a prospect perspective, but um I think when push comes to shove, they would like to just supplement as much as they can through free agency uh, just because, you know, Steve Cohen's money is pretty much limitless. They, they, and they, they can, I mean, we saw them pretty much put a, a bunch of a big pile or uh, a bunch of it into a pile and just burn it last year. So what's what's the what's the harm in just doing a little bit more? Right? Ah, just throw the money away. Who cares? It's just a few million dollars. I mean, I, like Steve Cohen was talking about the luxury tax as if it was pennies on the dollar. Yeah, so it's, who cares? It's just uh, it's just a few million. I mean, I don't have any of it, but uh, hey. I mean, hey, they gave Savvy thirteen million, and they're like, yeah, it's like a good low cost, you know, like a, a low risk, high reward type thing. Which yes, it makes sense in the grand scheme of the game. But you know like, what, Matt? Thirteen million dollars. The Mets could hire me. I could be their their. They're one or they're two, and I'll just jump in front of the ball every single time, and I'll, I'll get on base. That's all. I'll, I'll have a bunch of bruises all over my body, but hey, for a million dollars a year, I'll jump in front of anything you want me to. That's just my opinion. Maybe Bobby Panilla will do that if he gets paid every year. I mean, that guy gets, what, a million dollars a year for the next, uh, you know, until he's dead. Don't worry. <laughs> don't, don't worry, Matt. The Orioles are not He'll taking be over that boat because now they're doing the same thing to Chris Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Oh my God! Him and Rick Rick DiPietro. I mean, both these guys. And Chris Davis now in the boat. He gets paid till 2037. I mean, who's better than them? I mean, <laughs> I mean, Bobby Bonilla has been paid by the Mets a million dollars for what the last 15, 20 years. I mean, what's yeah, next? Like 2011, it started. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, right, who's yeah. better than him? I, I'm loving that. If I was him, I'd be like, oh man, every year I don't have to do anything. I make a million dollars. I don't even have to do it. I take a dump. I make a million dollars. I mean, seriously. Fall asleep on the toilet. You know? well, there you go. 40 minutes. You know, he says 20. I say 40. 20. Uh, <laughs> uh, as everybody knows, we are talking to the creator of MLB Daily Dingers, Matt Musical, a friend of our show. He's been on our show seven times. We love him. You know, Matt, Josh Hader is a big name. He is the best relief pitcher available this offseason. He was the best relief pitcher last year in baseball. I mean, I think his ERA was like 1.7-something. Like I mean, his, he bare, his whip was close to one. I mean, the guy was unbelievable. And he played for the Padres. They're a horrible organization that seems to overpay players and trade for players and then lose players just as quick for nothing. But... Uh, what are your thoughts to the Mets bringing in Josh Hader? You you put him you you link him up with Edwin Diaz. You have the best back half of a bullpen the Mets have ever had, and a t- I, I think the last time we've seen a back end like that was the Yankees. So, mm. what are your thoughts of bringing Josh Hader to the New York Mets? I mean, hey, that sounds awesome. I mean, I think the the couple of things that would potentially be holding that back would be a. I'm sure Hader could get a closing job somewhere else with a team who would also be have eyes of contending. Uh, so who know, I have no idea w- what he cares about, whether it's about closing or, or setting up or, or sharing the duties in some way, shape, or form. Who knows? Let I me ask you that. a question. Let me ask you a question. Edwin Diaz is making how much a year? Uh, probably about 18, 19. Okay, like so that. if you offer Josh Hader $18 million a year to be the eighth inning guy and partial closer if anything happens to Diaz – would you take that money and play for the Mets? 
I mean, I, if it were me, yeah, sure, I would. <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah, if he's I, gonna, I mean, why, if he's going not? to make, yeah. if he's going to make a hundred million dollars a year, and he's, he's, you know, he's linking up with Edwin Diaz. Why would you complain? You're making the same amount of money as Edwin Diaz, and you're the eighth inning and ninth inning guy. It doesn't really matter. You're still getting your money. So why would you yeah. care? You know, so yeah. well, I mean, it, it makes sense, but I mean, we don't know what's important to these guys. Mm. You know, so I mean, pitching in yeah, a ninth I mean, or pitching in eighth, who cares? Speaking, yeah, who cares? I, hypothetically speaking, it makes all the sense in the world. Like, yeah, I would take eighteen million dollars mm. to be the primary setup guy. I mean, why? Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and we've seen Stearns make some small uh, signings here and there, but I mean, the Mets' bullpen is pretty bare at this point uh, with regard to like dependable options too. So, I mean, they kind of kind of have to do what they did last year, which is pretty much build up their pitching staff from the bottom up. Uh, like they went into last year with, I think it was pretty much like the starting rotation was just Scherzer and Carrasco. Once they picked up his option, <laughs> mm. it was like similar in the bullpen. I think the only one before they re-signed Edwin with like significant dependable innings was Drew Smith or something like that. Mm. Um, and like, obviously they went more of the optionable, optionable arms route. And that didn't really go very well in the bullpen. Um, I mean, like, honestly, nothing really went well last year for the Mets. But so, but I mean, such is life as a Mets fan. Actually, but. something <laughs> did went went right. They got their uh, their executive that they wanted for the last two years. So yeah, something went true. right. I mean, they did get something. I mean, they got David Stearns, and they actually made a pretty good trade, and they added some good young prospects. By the way, for all the Mets fans, and I, I took shots at Josh Silverbrand. I had to. I had to because he was so happy about Max Scherzer. He was so happy about Justin Verlander. And where they are right now, they're gone. So I, I'm just saying they overpaid for a bunch of old, oldie guys that barely, you know, probably will probably need a cane in two or three years <laughs> because they're not going to be able to stand up themselves. So congratulations to the New York Mets for overpaying for a bunch of losers. But thank you. They're going for the average age record that the Islanders are trying to set. <laughs> I'm just kidding. By the way, Justin Verlander, is a, he's a winner, and so is Max Scherzer, but not I mean, anymore. both Hall of Famers. Yes, but they're not anymore, and the Mets made a big mistake. D- don't worry, Matt. You, you could add Max Scherzer onto that, uh, onto that meme of the Texas Rangers winning a World Series when you do nothing in the group project Spe- but get an A. Speedy, was I wrong? <laughs> Speedy, was I wrong because Josh was one of the people that were so happy when they had a Max Scherzer. Yeah, no, he was. He was so happy. He was like, oh my god, we got Max Scherzer. I don't care. It's not my money. I'm not paying him. And then what are you doing? He First year, how many game, How many wins does he have? Seven? Yeah, he, he pitched well. It just hurt, got hurt twice and then the second year he stunk. And the second year he absolutely blew. And by the way, still we have not heard from that Nationals reporter. Oh, you're, Never! You're going to drive that crazy Never. forever. I can't because this lady told me straight out and she told me. Put, put like, it in context it was Brick Giroli that works for the Athletic. I know Max. I've known him and his family for years. I know his children. I know everything. This man is a born winner. He's going to go to the Mets, and in three years, he's going to give you a chance to win a World Series. And you know what I told her? I said, you're going to eat your words. That's what I said to her. You're going to eat your words, and you're going to wish you never said that to me, because if he doesn't, you're going to come on this show, and I am going to eat you up alive. And she was yelling at me, and she said, you'll see. You don't know what you're talking about. I said, and where is she? Speedy reached out to her three or four times. She will not come on this show. So that tells you one thing, ladies and gentlemen. She's hiding from me.
That's all. He scared her off. Yeah, apparently. Well, not the I first woman, woman I hide, huh? No, I, I scare a lot of people away, man. I am one of those guys. I am. The, thank God, you know, listen, when, if your wife met me, she'd love me. I'd be friendly and everything. But, you know, when you come out for my birthday, you know, I, I, I am one of those crazy guys. I won't do anything stupid, but I, I do. Actually, I probably would. But, yeah, you know, I was going to say, I would I not rule that out. Requirement on your birthday. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back into the Mets. I don't want to get into my birthday and some of the things I've done in the past. Anyways, uh, you you look at, obviously, this offseason, there are quite a few players that the Mets are linked to. What is the more likely linked player the Mets could land? Um, I feel like I feel like it's got to be Yamamoto. And I, and I say that because, A, Epler did a lot of scouting. Um of him in Japan before Epler left. He obviously had like this reputation with Japanese pitchers. He's the one that brought Otani to the angels, yada, yada, yada. Um, right before the regular season was over, Senga like flat out said that he wanted Yamamoto on the Mets and like would be happy to help recruit. Um, it seems as if what the Mets will do the rest of the winter kind of hinges on what Yamamoto decides to do, whether he decides to sign with the Mets or sign elsewhere, sign with the Yankees or Red Sox or Cubs or, or whoever else is, uh, is in you know that final running. It seems like, depending on what he wants, I mean, he doesn't mind playing with another Japanese player. You know, so we have one in Flushing already. He wants a big market. Mets are in a big market. He'll want a lot of money. If the Mets really, really want him, like the reports say they they do, that they're like they haven't seen the Mets this focus on a free agent in a long time or something like that. Uh, I think it was an SMY report I saw somewhere. Um, they. We know that if Steve Cohen and his front office want somebody, money's not going to be an issue. So, um, but we'll see what Yamamoto essentially wants to do. Like we heard those reports that he's kind of like enamored with pitching for the Yankees because of what the Yankees represent. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that makes sense. Of course. Um, and it also checks all the other boxes for him too. Big market, you know, all those, all those types of things. I so. did, I did read a story today, and it was, it was from two writers that are very well connected in the MLB industry that said that if they close, close the deal, the Yankees are going to get Yamamoto. They're, they're, they're very sure upon, you know, on the break of all the different teams that have been broken with connected to Yamamoto uh, this offseason. They're, they're saying that you could book it that he's going to be a Yankee. So I don't know how they know this, but um, I, I mean, the fact that Cohen flew over there before he can fly over here and talk to them sa says a lot about what they think of him. They, they want him. They, they expressed it. They expressed their, their love for him. And I expect the Mets to be one of the final teams to get him. I just, I, out of all the teams that we've heard, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers, I, I, I just think the, being that who the Mets are, they're the little brother of the Yankees, I could see Yamamoto saying, you know, as much as I like the Mets, as much as I like Senga, as much as I like this organization, I'd rather go to the big dog than the small dog. And that's, mm -hmm. that's something that you have to look at as, you know, as a player, as a player that – you know, as a baseball fan and that's been following these organizations for years. I mean, the Yankees were a winner when he was a kid, when he was in his, when he was like five, you know, six, seven years old, he was probably a Derek Jeter fan. He was probably a Yankee fan. So uh, that's why he's enamored by the Yankees organization. So that's my opinion from the reason, why would you want to go to the Mets when you can go to the Yankees? And why would you want to go 
to the Mets if you can go to the Red Sox and play in Fenway Park for seven, eight years? Or why would you want to go to the Mets if you can go to the Dodgers and play for the, 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 the old Brooklyn Dodgers that went to L.A. And, and with all these great, great players like Jackie Robertson and, and all that other stuff. So these are, these are all different things that if you're a young player that wants to step foot and actually play in the majors, that's what I would look at. Am I right or wrong? No, no, you're not wrong. I mean, it all makes sense. I mean, at the end of the day, it just it depends on how 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 well they court him. Yeah, and I think that's probably why Cohen went over there. Hundred percent. Met him. He met his family. Like that kind of stuff. So, slipped them a mean, couple who, million. Who you know, slipped them a couple million here. Here is a little hedge fund. You know, money. <laughs> here you go. I mean, he's, Don't he's tell got, anybody. He's got business ties in Japan. So I mean, he's probably just like. Set him up with a direct account, it's like a you know a funding account or something over there. Here's a here's a couple of GameStop credit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, Steve. Just kidding, man. He might hire me. He'd be like, oh, I'm hiring this guy. You know, so there he goes. Yeah. Okay. but I mean, it like what he decides to do is gonna is gonna is really hinges on how the Mets end up approaching the rest of their winter because they need to fill out their rotation of course they, we, we know that that's one of the things that they need to do it's probably one of their top priorities if they don't get him they're um, gonna get Blake Snell I, I, I do yeah, believe that. like I just saw some reports today I think it was another SNY report that said that the Mets have a plan B for the rotation if Yamamoto signs elsewhere so uh, and it involves getting some other frontline starter and obviously you would think Snell would be mm-hmm. the next best option 100 percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it'll what he does will will kind of dictate how they go from here. Could you answer that question in the prime of his career? Could you name the last two time Cy Young winner that became available in free agency? Uh, I, I cannot answer that. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing somebody talk about that at the start, like right when he won. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like maybe like Jason Stark probably shared something about it <laughs> right, right around the time that he when he. Uh, when he when it was announced that he won his Cy Young Award, but I feel like it's got to be pretty rare. I think it's, it's rare. pretty rare to have rare. like a multiple Cy Young Award winner available on the open market. Hundred percent. I've never seen it before. Yeah, because I think Scherzer only won one when he entered free agency. Mm-hmm. Went left from Detroit to go to the Nationals so. in the prime of, now in the prime of their careers. I'm not yeah. saying when they're 34, 35, like Jacob Degrom. Jacob Degrom was like 34 when he became available. So mm-hmm. it, it's different when you're 30 years old. You're in the prime of your career. You've already won two Cy Youngs with two separate teams. I mean, if you look back, I don't remember the last pitcher in the prime of his career that became available in the open market like this. That's why I think this is this is a must grab for the New York Mets if they fail and not. I actually I would jump on both Yamamoto and Blake's now. Then you secure your your pitching rotation for the future. I, I think this is. I know everybody wants Burns. There's no guarantees with Burns. Free if he becomes available. Maybe you make a run for free. You you need you need left-handed pitching, but there's just some questions. There is no question. You can get Blake's now, right now. You you overpay him. You get a guy that is in the prime of his career, and you know he can pitch in the National League, and you know he can pitch in the American League. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm I'm one of those like old school believers that like the like a rotation needs different looks. Like we can't all have like right-handed pitchers that throw like mid to upper 90s. Like it's nice to have one left-hander just to be able to mix it up a little bit. Like that's why I liked having, you know, David Peterson around just simply because he's left-handed. Uh, he pitched pretty terrible for for a good portion of the year last year. But I mean, you know, he's had his moments and just having that different look. Like when the Mets had Mats, like even though he was a freaking head case, like <laughs> it was nice to have the left-hander. So mm-hmm. like they need that. So 
um, I agree with you. Like they, whether it's Snell or somebody else, like they need to have a little bit, some different looks. Uh, you know, we could we could bring guys. some people out of retirement. Maybe we'll, you know, bring Jabba Chamberlain or one of those guys. I mean, bring them out of retirement. Maybe maybe they could find they they can find something again. I mean, the Mets need it. I mean, that, there's no question that they do, especially in that bullpen. I don't care what you say. I do not believe that bullpen is is safe right now. So that's that, that is after they go si- also go sign our friend Shane Green. <laughs> that's true. Shane. Uh, by the way, I, and I want to give a shout out before we let you go. Shane Green, okay, he's a friend of the show. We love him. F- funny guy, dresses nice, he's all collective. He made a bet with me if Philadelphia goes to the World Series that he would take me and him to the World Series to watch Philadelphia win a World Series. And I said, I said to him, you're on. Then after Philadelphia chokes in the NLCS, I didn't hear from him again. So thank you, Shane, for just uh, throwing me under the rug or brushing me under the rug as you do to everybody else. I'm Hopefully just he doesn't Shane. go sign with the Phillies I'm now. just kidding, Shane. We love you, and we will have you on very, very soon. I definitely want to know your take on what happened to the Philadelphia Phillies. But anyways, we love you, Matt. Keep up the good work. Keep re- everybody. If you haven't checked out, obviously he's the creator of MLB Daily Dingers. This guy can write for the Mets. If you're a Met fan, you should be following this guy. All of his social media should be reading. You should check out all his stories on his website. These are fantastic Met stories. If you're a Met fan, tune in. Check it out every single week. Matt, thank you. Appreciate it, fellas. Good to see you guys as always. Absolutely. Say, by the way, you better come out for my birthday. Don't be hiding. And by the way, hey, well, what, when is your birthday? Is it in the April 29th, baby. It's springtime, oh, hey. baby. It's beautiful. I'm April 26th. Look at that. What? Look at this. We could, we, a, we could have a dual birthday. We, we, could, we could dance. I mean, Aaron Judge's birthday is April 28th. We bring him out. Oh, I mean, we're, we're, we're right there, baby. On, <laughs> we're Tauruses, baby. We all have that personality, and people love us. By the way, Aaron Judge, I, I did write to Aaron Judge and asked him to come out. He never replied to me, so I I, I don't think he has any interest in coming out for my birthday. He but, signs that big contract, and he's just too big for everyone. I, 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 I don't know about that, but he looks like he likes to go to Wimbledon and all that other stuff. He loves tennis, U.S. Open, and all that other stuff. But he's married now. He doesn't he doesn't want to hang out with little old me. I mean, crazy. I'm not married, but I got a girlfriend for six years. I mean, Joppa probably, you know, he's married. He's all, you know, settled in, kids and everything like that. No, he's not. He's shaking his head. So, uh, but anyway. Anyways, Matt, you, you definitely got to listen to our next interview when we come back, by the way, because uh, we got Jabba Chamberlain on. And uh, I'm sure he has a lot of stories to tell us and a lot of information that we have not heard since he's been gone out of baseball. So stay tuned. Cool. Cool. Matt, you're wonderful. You better come out for my birthday. I might have to chop your head off. And by the way, you won't get sick enough to sit on a toilet and take, uh, you know, double digits. wasn't sick. It was tired. Don't listen to him. How do you – hold on one second. How could you tell people you're taking a dump on a toilet bowl, sitting there for 25 minutes when you're at a bar with a DJ and girls are dancing all over? Because I was winded. I lost breath. So you (laughs) – it's winded on a toilet bowl. <laughs> if you're running forever, you get tired. If you're dancing forever, you get tired. Nap is, is needed for the next. I don't know. I, I, I slept for about 11 hours. He's night. winded on a toilet bowl. Has anybody said that before? Hey, you know what? I got winded. I sat on the toilet bowl. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Matt. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> Speedy's the only one. He's the only one winded and has to sit on a toilet bowl. What, what, a, what a guy. Anyways, when we come back, we will be talking to former Yankees, Tigers, Royals, and Guardians pitcher 
the one, the only, Jabba Chamberlain, here on the Sports Loudmouth. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouth. Jabba likes this. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouth. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy. Petey, go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including The Loudmouth, which airs every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Great content, great guests, and yes, crazy callers. Tune in every single week to listen to the Sports Loudmouth and all our local listing shows. All you have to do is go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. As everybody knows, we had the creator of MLB Daily Dingers on, Matt Musico, and now... As everybody knows, Speedy posted it all over social media. We've had a lot of ex-Yankees on our show, and we finally have one of my favorites. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now talking to former Yankees, Tigers, and Royals Guardians pitcher, Jabba Chamberlain. Jabba, what's up, man? What's up, fellas? No, it just, uh, you know, happy happy and honored to to be a part of it. And, and dude, I just, I just had Tori Hunter on my show earlier, and you know, it's it, it's fun talking about these things. And, like, it's so funny that you brought up Greeny because I literally just FaceTimed with Shane the other day. Ah. And we were, we were talking about, like, how he's trying to when, – when you guys are talking about what you guys are doing and, like, free agency and all the other stuff, like, Shane's now 35 and he doesn't throw 100. It's completely different. And, and we were talking about it because I'm going through the same thing with my son. Mm-hmm. And so my uh, my son my son is is graduating high school and and going into the college world. So it, it it's kind of funny just listening to you guys do that and you know bring up old names. But yeah, no man, it's it's an honor to be on your guys' show, and I appreciate appreciate you allowing me to be on. Honors all ours, by the way, because you are. Mr. Jabba Chamberlain. By the way, just so you know, I'm wearing your jersey backwards. I wanted to do it on the show because growing up, when I when when you were called up, you were one of those three pitchers, if you remember, that everybody was talking about. And 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 I with you, your personality, who your father was, and what what you and your family stood for. It, you grew up a Yankee fan. You always wanted to be a Yankee. And then stepping on the field for the first time as a New York Yankee, what was it like? What was it? How proud were you, not only as a son, your father growing up a Yankee fan, but what was it like stepping on the field and stepping on that pitching mound and pitching for the New York Yankees? I think the the, the craziest thing is like going through going through the process. And I actually, the first time I stepped on Yankee field in the old stadium was I was going to get my passport so I could get to Toronto to make my debut. <laughs> so I wasn't even pitching. I, I wasn't doing anything. And I, and I walked through and it was like, growing up, we got to watch the Braves every day. Mm-hmm. So as a baseball fan, like you understand what they did. And as a baseball fan, you're a Yankees fan. Like, and, and, and that was just because I loved baseball. I mean, my dad taught me to write books since I was three years old, old school book, like get it, write it down, do it. And so it was it was weird because the first time that I actually (laughs) stepped foot on it and I was just like, holy cow, like (laughs) I, I am in Yankee Stadium, like 
and I wasn't even in the big leagues yet. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't even, the, I was just getting my passport to maybe hopefully, hopefully get to the big leagues and see what happens. So yeah, no, it, it, it was, it was, it was surreal with like, with, with Phil and Ian and, mm-hmm. and myself in that aspect, we, you know, kind of everybody had their different involvement of, of what it was, but dude, it was honestly, I, I really can't even put into place and and understand like when I walked out of that cobblestone and those doors opened, man, there's, there's nothing like it. There, there's absolutely nothing like it, the history. And then, and to be fortunate enough to play and win a world series the next year. And it, it was just, there, there's nothing that I can even, even gravitate to other than becoming a father. That, that is the coolest thing that, that I've ever done. So two of your team, former teammates actually had a little bit of a beef this off season, mm-hmm. Doug Minkiewicz and A-Rod, uh, Doug Minkiewicz taking shots at A-Rod and saying they were close friends and now they're uh, having a little beef. So what, our enemies. What, what were your thoughts on, on that whole situation <laughs> and what were they like as teammates? Did you see anything like that kind of thing? Rod has been, been great. He bought me my first ever suits that I still yeah. own to this day. Wow. Never, never owned a suit, never owned a suit. And when I got called up, he sent me and I got two suits and I still own them today. Two Calvin Kleins. I, st- <laughs> I still got them. Still got them. Minkavich, uh, I faced him in Pittsburgh and then he came in and, and he, he was kind of, he, I'll never forget. We were in the playoffs and literally a cameraman got in the way and he like fell over him and he thought he like blew his ACL out. And I was like, you just ruined this. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, you are you have a name, but at the same time, it's like people go at certain people for certain things. And I'm like, Doug, like, wh- why? Are, like, you're just trying to make a name for yourself at this point. Like, like just quit. <laughs> just quit. <laughs> like, I was listening to it and I'm like, this makes zero sense because now Rod has is, 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 is put his name into into this world of what we're doing, mm-hmm. where it's like. Nobody know who the hell Doug Minkavich is at this point. Like, <laughs> nobody cares. You're right about that, by the way. And I, and I, I know who Doug Minkavich is. He was a good baseball player, but not great. A-Rod was one of the greatest to ever play. And and for him, and, and listen, I, I, I've always liked A-Rod. I met Alex Rodriguez. We had a very good football conversation. It was never about baseball. It was all about quarterbacking and college football. He... It was there was not one conversation about baseball, but as everybody knows, we are talking to former Yankees, Tigers, and Royals and Guardians pitcher Jabba Chamberlain. By the way, he was a Yankee. By the way, I, I hate when I when you give me all these teams that he's played for the Tigers, the Royals, the Guardians. He was a Yankee. As a Mets okay? fan, I wish I could forget about the 2015 Royals, but I know it was another good moment for Jabba. Jabba, you look at your career, and Hold on, lot- you want to say that mm-hmm. you you. Um, and I'll, I'll just, yeah, I'll just show I, He you. actually said you were going to show that. <laughs> I did. I, I called it. I said, I bet you Jabba is going to show us his Kansas City rig. 
Well, I can't show it because my dad, my dad wears the Yankee one every mm-hmm. day. So oh. I, 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 I can't steal that from him. <laughs> I remember that year because you guys, you guys beat the Blue Jays in the ALCS. I wanted them, mm-hmm. I, I wanted the Mets to play the Blue Jays so badly because I thought they were kind of like top heavy and not overly deep. Um, I was afraid of you guys because you had all the hitting talent on the stolen bases and the Mets couldn't hold on base runners. I'm like, oh, why do they have to play this team? <laughs> but it happens. It happens. So. We go back with the Yankees, and there's a lot of questions, and I'm not blaming anybody, but there's quite a few people. Oh, that you, you, can, can... you can blame Cashman. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yep. <laughs> well, I'll there you go. There. All right. I'm going to blame I, Brian I can, Cashman. I can say whatever I want to say at this point, too, mm-hmm. and it, it's and he just signed an extension, too, and I, I, don't, I, I don't understand it, but that's neither here nor there. So we go back with the New York Yankees and your career, and there was a lot of questions on why – the Yankees decided to move you in the starting rotation. I believed you were the future closer for the New York Yankees when Mariano Rivera would retire or decide to step down. You were the guy. I believed you were going to be the shutdown closer for the next 10, 15 years. And for some reason, with the Jabba rules and all the other stupid things Brian Cashman did in those years... It ruins you. It hurts you. It hurt your growth. It hurt everything about what you stood for and who you were as a starting pitcher or a relief pitcher slash starting pitcher. What were your thoughts when all these things were coming out and and really everything started to happen and started tearing down from your career? Well, your career with the Yankees. Well, mind you, I still played 11 years. Yes, so you I did. Still, yes, I, you did. I, I still did. Okay. No, with the Yankees, um, with the Yankees. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, and, and I understand that. And and the one thing I will say is I got the greatest opportunity to do things that nobody has ever done in Yankees history. And, you know, I spent two and a half months in the minor leagues and that was it. Mm-hmm. And then came up and did the things that I did. And and the one thing that I, I will continually say is I would have folded towels if I got to the big league. Like <laughs> I I would have done that. I don't care. But it just it it's the one thing that I really I go back at and you know I look at it and the understanding of of what it was because I didn't I didn't have enough leverage at that point to be able to say I want to do this I want to do that like I just I want to pitch I want to help this team win I want to be a part of it and you know now looking back like obviously I didn't have that opportunity. The one thing I wish they would just have done was the consistency. Mm-hmm. Like either either say you're going to start or you're going to relieve and and then leave it be. Like there was five times during spring training where I went back and forth. I went back and forth. And it's just hard to do. Like this game is hard enough. Like it's hard enough when you have the consistency to do what it is. And I never had that opportunity. And and I'll, I'll I'll give a story. We were in Baltimore, and they wanted me. I I started in spring training. Then they moved me to the bullpen, and then they wanted me to start again. Well, games on the line. I go out, get an out in the seventh, go out in the eighth, get out of the inning, and they wanted me to build my pitch count. They literally told me to wait. I ran to the bullpen after the game, after Mo closed to get more pitches in. And, and I was just, that was, 
that's the thing that I that I look at in in the understanding of Odo. I I wish there would have been consistency because look at Phil Hughes. They let Phil Hughes do it because they moved him back to the bullpen too. But he had a four plus ERA, but they let him start every five days. They never <laughs> let me do that. Never let me do that. And he was an all-star. Actually, he lost the all-star game that year. <laughs> and you got to do that. And 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 that's the only thing I can honestly say is, is I wish there was there was more consistency of just telling me what I was gonna do. Yeah, I wouldn't ask because the Pitching now is a lot more based on creativity and versatility. Do you think that kind of thing, like you saying that affects the mentality of a lot of these pitchers even today, or do you think they're more used to it now? No, I, I think now it, it, it there's more defined roles. There's more defined roles in, in what they do. And, and at the same time, it's like, you got everybody throwing a hundred. Like, I mean, that's just, it's, it's a different world now. Like, it, it is it is something where when I came up and every aspect that I did and I, and I created kind of a different anomaly and, and I, I, I understand that. But it, I, I told Wade Davis this too. I go, you either got to be one or the other. And what happened? Wade ended up being a closer and he was fantastic and obviously won a World Series with him. And it's just now I think there's I think there's more defined roles consistently and uh, as as Yankees what like Michael Kling and Clark Schmidt and those guys like we've we've seen we've seen back and forth and we've seen up and down and we've seen all that stuff and I I think there's just more distinctive roles in what people are and they are better suited for it because they know exactly what their role is. Interesting. As everybody knows, we are talking to former Yankees, Yankees pitcher. I was going to say all the other stuff, but I'm going to say Yankees pitcher, Jabba Chamberlain. Keep that, that, it was most of my career. You can keep it. Yes. I, I, listen, you're a Yankee. I, I'll always remember you as a Yankee. Your, your, your whole career was practically as a I Yankee. mean, literally, you know how much money people have asked me for this flag because I stole it. <laughs> you know the infamous you know flying insect game i know you remember this because it was the one game that just didn't make sense it was a playoff game it was in cleveland the the, the so much flying all this i don't know what you call it bugs insects flying around Midges is what they're Midges. called. Midges. I'm sorry. I've never seen anything like it, okay? It was the most ridiculous, crazy thing I've ever... I'm watching it right now as we're, we're speaking to you on what happened. Joe Torre's standing there, and he's shaking his head. What's going on? He steps out. He's walking to the mound, and you're getting eaten up alive. What was it like being attacked by all those insects during a big, huge game for the Yankees? It was... Honestly, it, it, I didn't, I didn't really even, I didn't think about it. I, I just, you know, it's, it's part of what goes through. Like you don't really, you don't comprehend what's going on. You're just trying to get out. That's what you're trying to do. And, and I'll never forget. And I've, I've done 19,000 conversations about this. And, and the one thing, and that I, I, I always say is like, I was a kid 
like I was literally been in the big leagues for two months and they're like, Oh, you're going to save the team. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Derek came to me. He goes, when I got closer, when I got closer to the mound, the bugs got worse. So I didn't come say anything to you. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, really? cool, man. All right. Appreciate that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm over here just trying to, <laughs> trying to hold by my jock strap. And he's like, no, every time I, it, it just got worse. And no, I mean, it's, I, I never really, like, I didn't take it to whatever, man. And, and and I'll be perfectly honest, I didn't do my job. And that was the shit that pissed me off the most. It, it was. Yeah, I, and I buried a slider and Grady Sizemore scores and and I, I didn't do my job. It wasn't the midges. It wasn't anything else. It was, I, I didn't do my job. And it was, that was the frustrating part. And And I hate that Joe said in his book, that's the one regret he has is not taking us off the field. That was on me. Hmm. That was on me. It wasn't on anybody else. It was on me. And and I'll stand by this to this day. I will stand by it to this day and understand like if, if it was that bad. And I, and I thought that we need to get off this field and everything that was on me. It wasn't on Joe. It wasn't on anybody else. And and I, I I will take that to the grave. And I didn't do my job, and it wasn't his to take me off the field, which everybody thinks that he should have. No, but it was it was it was completely on me. And 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 that's the thing that I I want people to understand, where I failed at my job. That's what I did, and it wasn't on him to be able to take it away from me. It was on myself to be able to be like, hey, just step aside. But as a 21-year-old kid trying to figure that out, that was that was I was just like, I gotta go get to work. And yeah, I, I didn't do my job. Well, you have to respect somebody that actually comes out and takes responsibility. Not many players do such a thing. A lot of players will say, Well, he should have done this and they should have done that. But you come out and you take the blame for it. And I respect you for that, Jabba, because uh, I've, I, we've interviewed tons and tons of athletes. And I'm not throwing anybody on the bus. When it comes down to it, they're not going to take responsibility in certain aspects of their career because they've always been looked at as one of the best or the best at their position for a significant amount of time. So they never want to say, hey, you know what, that specific time of my career and that game or that particular event, that wasn't really my fault. That was the coach's fault or that was uh, the quarterback's fault or that was the third baseman's fault or the pitcher's fault or something like that. They they don't want to take responsibility for anything. So I, I you have to respect somebody like you that actually will take full responsibility for that specific game. So that I respect you for. Yeah. And, and, and that for me is like, I've told everybody, I go, do I want to play this game to be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. 100%. But I would rather be respected more than anything mm. in the things that I do, like in being a great teammate and, and doing those things like, I would much rather go down in the hall of character than I'd rather go in the hall of fame because I, I wanted to be the greatest teammate. There have been so many people in my life that have made me to who I am and I deserve and I need to credit them because they've made me who I was and they made me the teammate. And I was like, I would rather go in the hall of character than the hall of fame. Because 
now the Hall of Fame is the Hall of Average. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and the Hall of Hypocrisy. The way it is. And and I understand that. And and I would rather go in the Hall of Character of having great teammates. And I can call Tory Hunter and he can come on my show. I can call guys that I played with and, and just have that. And I was like, man, I hope I did you right. Like, I hope I did. I hope everything that I played in my career and and did the things that I did, I, I hope I did you guys right by being your teammate and your friend and laying it all out on the line. And that's it. I would rather be a Hall of Character than a Hall of Fame, 100%. So I have to ask this because you, you got the beard. I asked this to ex-second baseman for the Nationals, Danny Espinosa, when we had him on the show. He had a big beard just like you. So who do you think is the best beard in MLB right now and when you played? And also, have you been growing it out consistently since you left the Yankees? Uh, no, I mean, I, it's, it's always five o'clock shadow, but, um, you know, we, we, I have a deal with a bunch of buddies where we do no shave November and we donate to charity and, and some other stuff, but man, I, it's the best beard right now. Uh, I mean, is it even a question hair and beard? Or are we just going beard? Either one is fine. I mean, the, 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 really, there's there's nobody with a better beard. Go ahead, say it. I know who he's going to say. You want me to guess? You, you know. You want me to guess? Yeah, go ahead. Bryce Harper. Trimmed nice. Hmm. Trimmed nice. Trimmed nice, mm-hmm. and and I will, I will not disagree with that because he. And he, and he has a little bit of, of, of flow and, and all the other stuff. He's but, a pretty boy. Just say it. He's a, he's a pretty boy. Go ahead. He, and, and you know what? Side note before we get – I'll finish this. Side note, he has proven that he is in an elite level moving from right field to first base. No and doing it very unconventionally. Like – and where they didn't miss a beat. I will I will be the first person to admit when he went to first base and I was like and he 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 made he made that joint just absolutely like there he didn't miss a beat. His own. Yep. He's a dude and and mind you like I I have very much ties to the Phillies obviously mm-hmm. because of Tom and and Kevin Long. I had Kevin Long on my show when they were in the playoffs. Like you know, and and that's the fun part of it. But I wouldn't say Bryce has the best, the best beard, Speedy. I'll, I'll be like, I mean, it's good. <laughs> but when you have when you have four hundred million dollars, your shit should be lined up all the time. Anyway, <laughs> right? Like it, it should be. It, it yeah, should it's be. It's true. It's true. Yeah. And that's that's the way it should be. But Brandon Marsh has the best. I think Jason Worth, at the time that you were playing, had the best beard. He was, he looked like, uh, he looked like he was Tarzan or something, man. I mean, well, seriously. He can say whatever he is. I punch his ass out in the World Series. So <laughs> I do remember. That's why I mentioned his name. <laughs> his, his, his sister actually went to school at Nebraska Uh-oh. and played volleyball. Oh, I was about this. I was waiting for you to say something else. At that hundred thousand no. dollar. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> no, yeah, 
his sister's name is Hannah and she, she actually played volleyball and actually she was here when uh, we beat the Phillies in 09. So really? I came back and they did shit on the court and whatever, but I was, yeah, it was, it was funny to, to have that. Car. But Brandon Marsh, just his lettuce and his beard. And the funny thing is, is like going through all this and listening to him talk about like how his mom hates his hair and all the other stuff. Like it, it is fantastic. And I, I just, I've never met the man. I don't know him, but like, I just think he's a real dude that I, I would love to sit down and have a beer with and hang out. And I, I think he's great. I was trying to petition himself to go re-sign back with the Phillies. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I could just make a call to Tom. So if I, I mean, I still throw, I, I mean, I got to throw BP tomorrow to my son. So there like, you go. Uh, you, you could definitely I, I, pitch I, for the Mets. That's for sure. Ooh, I, anybody can pitch for the Mets. <laughs> Anybody and nobody, unfortunately. Because <laughs> the Mets try to bring in all these uh, high-priced relievers and don't do anything. We are talking to former Yankees uh, pitcher, Jabba Chamberlain. You know, Jabba, uh, there are quite a few players that you play with. Obviously, Hall of Famers, superstars. What player really stood out from the most? I mean, obviously, you play with Derek Jeter, the captain. play with Alex Rodriguez. All these great uh, Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit. You play with all these guys. Who stood out as the best leader for you as far as talking to you and speaking to you and kind of pushing you to be the player that you want to be? And who was the player that really uh, you remember as the guy that really transformed you into the baseball player you became? Man, that's 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 a loaded question, because I, I think when when you become the player that you want to be i think there's different dynamics i think there are, there are players that teach you one thing on the field there's another one that teaches you to be a dad there's one that teaches you to be humble that comes from home as well but man they're they're literally andy pettit taught me like literally i have 46 tattooed on my arm because it it made me understand what it was to take time to be a parent. And I had my son at 19 years old and I was a junior in college and it it, it taught me that. CC taught me how to take care of people, how to give everybody together. Derek taught me how to manage the media and manage what you do. Jorge taught me how to absolutely just be an asshole <laughs> and go about your work. And there, there's so many people, and, and I think there's you, you can't define one because they have all given you something that has made you better as a human being. And I tell everybody, I go, I was fortunate enough to play baseball for 11 years. But I'm going to be a man longer than that. And those men taught me to be a better human being. Here's my here's a good question right here. Who is the most hated teammate you had in your career? I mean, is that even a question? <laughs> you know the answer to that before you even ask. Go ahead. Say it. Kevin Euclid is a piece of shit. <laughs> You knew the answer to it. Like, I wanted you, you to say it. 
and I don't mind saying it. I don't. I don't give a shit anymore. Like, it, it, it's unbelievable to me. Like we have these conversations all the time, and I'll I'll give this story, and I'll and I'll tell you. So literally, when when he signs with us, right? I literally called Jason Zillow, our PR director. Mm -hmm. I know Jason, and I'm like, hey, can I get his number, please? Like, let's just get this out of the fuck. Let's just let's just get it out of the air. <laughs> Three and a half months later, ignores me. I leave voicemails. I do everything. And he was like, oh, hey, uh, I lost my phone in the ocean. I didn't have your number. I called Stacy <laughs> for it. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what? Like, man, we're grown, we're grown men. Like it, it's, it, it is what it is, but I'm like, really? Like you're a, ter and you know what makes it even better? So obviously he married Tom Brady. I was just about to say that. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so we had like our fantasy league that we've been doing for years. Mm -hmm. And he was like, who's, who's, who's going to draft my brother-in-law and blah, blah, blah. And CC at the same time, like, Dude, you're not even getting in our league. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that dude was trash. He and like and, and and he can say whatever he wants to say about me. I don't give a shit. But he was he was not a good teammate and he was the absolute worst. <laughs> It led to, that leads me to my next question nicely. I wanted to ask about the Yankees Red Sox. I never right? liked him, by the way, either. He was a Boston Red Sox in my eyes, so I never liked him. Yeah, so. I, I wanted to ask about the Yankees Red Sox rivalry at that time. I mean, that was what I was at his most intense. So, what were some of the uh, memories you have of that? I mean, I, th I think too, like as a baseball, I'm a baseball historian. Like I, I've been a fan of baseball, you know, as long as I can remember. You know, being able to to have that rivalry and be a part of it, I think is is super cool. I think it's it's something where people don't really understand the longevity and how long it's been together. But like playing at Fenway or playing at Yankee Stadium and and having that and then being a part of it, it you don't really understand it until it happens. But it, it is absolutely the one of the freaking coolest things ever because it's just the guys that have played before you. And I, I think first and foremost, you gotta be you gotta be in the moment, and I understand that. But I think about guys before me, and I think about all the dudes that have played and pesky pole and all the other stuff and all the guys that have played before me, like they gave me that that legacy. They gave me that rivalry, and I wanted to uphold it. You know, I I mean, I got ejected from my first game trying to get my first save ever against the Red Sox. <laughs> but I I just think I, I I think what we need to do too, and and I'm trying to raise my son in this way, is you have to understand that the dudes before you have created exactly what you want to do. And, you know, with, you know, Matt Holliday's son and Andrew June's 
and everything that they're going to do. But man, we would never have done this if it wasn't people before us. And, and that's the thing. And like, that question is like, I did, I just, I wanted to uphold basically the rivalry. Mm -hmm. Like I got to throw out somebody. I want to, you know, come get me, come fight me. <laughs> he never fought me. Never, never charged him out. Never did anything. So he can, he can go do and kick rocks and do whatever he does. <laughs> As everybody knows, we are talking to former Yankees pitcher, Jabba Chamberlain. Now, Jabba, Last question for me. Uh, you've done a lot of amazing things as a professional baseball player. What in your career stood out the most? What game stood out the most? What pitch stood out the most? What strikeout stood up the, stood out the most? What player that you struck out stood out the most in that particular game that really stands out in your career? Oh, um, I mean, the one, one first and foremost is – being able to win a world series and have my father and my son at the same game that, that, that by far is, it doesn't even there, there's nothing that I can say where I could without getting emotional to, to understand that. And, and cart, you know, now graduating high school and all that stuff, mm. it, it, he won't understand it, but it, that, that was, that was the biggest one, but, there's so many cool ones because I'm a baseball fan. Like I loved power throwing right fielders and Jose Gann, Ron Gant, Vladimir Guerrero, all those guys. Like I love that. So I'll never forget my, my first year we're playing in Anaheim. And I literally, I promise you, I've told myself, I go, you know what? He is the worst and the best bad ball hitter in the world. <laughs> I threw a ball 101 right down the middle and he fouled it off. And I thought it was the coolest thing that ever freaking happened. <laughs> and I was like, that is awesome. And then I threw a slider and he missed it by 17 feet. So <laughs> and I punched him out. But the, those are the things when you when you ask that question. There was another one when Griffey was later in his career. He hit a foul ball probably 550 feet. It was <laughs> it was long. But like I'm literally like looking and I'm watching. I'm like, this is a dude I've grown up watching. Like this is the coolest thing that I can see. Mm -hmm. And you know, those, those are the things like there, there's, there's a bats that I remember. There's, there's everything that I do, but I also, at the same time, it's like, you have those ones. Frank Thomas is, is one that is, is, is really cool to me because I had Frank Thomas above my dresser when I was a kid and I punched him out and that was when the Jabba rules. And then mm. I fist pumped and did all that. <laughs> and we were still at the old stadium. And this is at the same time where goose Gossage came out and said, that's not the Yankee way. I go, fuck you goose. Like that is <laughs> Mickey rivers was jumping on the, the cart coming out to get you because, and you want to say it's not the Yankee way. Like, 
but now the the crazy part about this is if you think about this guys and you guys have watched my career and I and I appreciate that don't get me wrong but like when I was celebrating fist pumping and they didn't want me to do it they didn't want me to do it and now it's like oh they want to celebrate it they want to celebrate so you saying I started that or or what 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 are we talking about in that aspect like no this this is emotion like we are putting our nuts on the line like let's let's go to work like if you're mowing lawns and if you don't do a, do a good job like somebody's going to yell at you mm-hmm. but if you think you do a good job hell yeah celebrate and do whatever you want <laughs> and I, I and i and i tell everybody and i i, I if you hit a homer Bad flip, do a fucking whatever the hell you want. I didn't make the best pitch. And you beat me. I can't be mad at that. Mm-hmm. Am I frustrated at myself? Yes. But I'm not going to be mad at it. And dudes that get mad at it and scream. Like, I'm not a huge fan of what Madison Bumgarner did. And, like, do I respect him as a player? 100%. But, like, when a dude beat you, you got beat, dog. Like, you got beat. Like, let it happen. Like, what? Like it, it doesn't I, – I don't get that. And, you know, it, it was weird coming up when I was celebrating and whatever people want to talk about, and, and the, those are those things. But, yeah, I just – it's it's so different. And – and I love the I love the fact the way the game has changed a little bit, where now they're letting letting these young kids be the them, mm-hmm. like the Acunas of the world, and and all of them. And that that wasn't that that wasn't when I was playing. But I like what I I like the direction it's heading. I don't. I don't think we need all the damn rules and all the other <laughs> shit. But you don't like the pizza boxes? Come on, man. Well, I mean, sometimes it's a little bit weird. <laughs> he would like him if he was playing. Then he gets New York pizza during the game. That's true. I mean, who well, knows? I, I definitely would love that because we we don't have really good pizza in Lincoln, so I, <laughs> Nebraska doesn't have good pizza. Oh, uh, well, that's true. Maybe maybe Peyton Manning has to go buy a uh, New York pizza chain and then bring it to Omaha, and he could call it Omaha Pizza. Oh, hold on one second. He's, uh, you know, he actually hangs out in Tennessee. That's where he played football. That's true. You know? Tennessee, actually, I'm, I'm having Eli on my show uh, next week. Really? Oh, ah, nice. Look at you, man, doing big things, Mr. Jabba Chamberlain. I do I do know a few people. Do you know, do know a few people. Well, I... I, I believe you do, man. You know us now, okay? <laughs> what, what do you guys think? Like, and I'm like, now I'm coming into what I do. Where do you think this Otani deal or Soto? And I've literally got off my phone. Where the trade holdup was on on Soto? And nobody wants to talk about the Mets, Speedy. Sorry. Um, I don't expect the Mets to get any of them. So, okay. Perfect. I'm being honest. Don't worry. <laughs> it, it's it's getting it's getting held up, and from what I've heard, it's medicals. So I don't know where that's coming from. I I still think it's going to go through. Uh, Michael King, he has no medical problems. Thorpe has no 
medical problems. It's the other two two guys that have the medical problems. The Yankees will flip-flop and give them another one or two prospects. The two big guys is Michael King and Thorpe. I, I believe it will be a closed deal ne- uh, tomorrow. It'll take uh, probably 24 hours to figure it out, but it will go through. I, I, he will be a Yankee. The question is, are the Yankees going to be able to resign him after that? Because Scott Boris is a pain in the ass. He's always been a pain in the ass. But he has a good relationship with Brian Cashman and the Yankees organization. So uh, the Yankees are the one that gave Jacoby Ellsbury that ridiculous contract. And that was because of Scott Boris. Um, and I expect the Yankees to, if they're giving away Michael King, who I think is somewhat like you, a guy that I think the Yankees should have kept in the bullpen. He should have stayed there. But they decided to move him in the rotation. He's a great rotation pitcher. But decide what you're doing with him. You're going, you're going to ruin this kid. He's got tremendous stuff. He probably has the best stuff, really, since I remember you coming out, uh, where he he was he was flip flopped in all different spots, and then uh, it didn't make any sense. So. I think Michael King, I did not want to trade Michael King. He was the guy that I wanted to keep for the Yankees because I think he would have been a great rotation piece. Um, but you have to give something again. I, I, I would say I agree with you. Give up Clark Schmidt. Yep. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to do. But they didn't want Clark Schmidt. They wanted Michael King. So it, it sucks. The Yankees are going to lose him. What I, what I say about Juan Soto is if the Yankees could resign him at the end of this year, it was a great trade. The Yankees got one of the best players in the world who's in the prime, not even in the prime of his career yet. He's 25, going to be 26 next year. So you get him in the prime of early in the prime of his career, and you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. But the Yankees don't care. The Yankees got all the money in the world. They don't. I know how stuff. Yeah. You, you, you have to back up on that one, too, because mm-hmm. Hal always is like, he always wants to look at like, whatever we're going to go above in this, that, and other thing. Let's like, let's freaking win. Like, why aren't you your dad? Like this, you have an opportunity to do it. He brought in three dudes in 09 when we won the world series, mm-hmm. when he opened a damn new stadium. Yep. And text and AJ and C like, what are you doing right now? Like you, you've taken over contracts and you've done things. And obviously we've seen Stan hasn't, hasn't done whatever, but judge can't do it by himself. He can't, he can't do it. And Garrett can't hold the staff by himself. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. And I'm like, you guys, if you want to do this, you're going to have to give up something. We were fortunate in that point where he was just spending money to get these guys where we didn't really give up a bunch. Right. But now you're going to have to, because we have dudes. And so if, if you're going to do it, do it. I think they're going to do it. And I I think it's going to happen. And I think, Everything that Hal Steinberg said the other day, he said that he's willing to pay Soto over $300 million, and he's willing to make a move to bring in Yamamoto. I think the Yankees have the best chance of getting Yamamoto. I've been saying that all season long, that if there's any place Yamamoto is going, he's going to the Yankees or the Red Sox. That's where I think he's going. I think one way or another, he wants to be a Yankee, and I think that's where you he will be. You get them both? Is that what it, 100%. You get them both? 
I think they're going, they're going to get them both. This is the year that after everything Brian Cashman said at the winter meetings, throwing players under the bus, attacking John Carlos Stanton, pretty much attacking this team and, and the way the organization this year, uh, they, he said they weren't. We had, an, we had a good roster. The players didn't play at their potential. And if he's going to attack the players like that, you, you, Hal Steinberg has said after the season there was a lot of back and forth banter with uh, you know Levine and him and everybody else after the season. I believe that this is Brian Cashman's last hurrah. I don't care what anybody says. Win, lose, or draw this year. The Yankees win a World Series. They bring Yamamoto in, and they bring uh, Juan Soto in. This is Brian Cashman's last year as a Yankee. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, I believe that Ng is right there in you know, waiting. She could have taken two or three different jobs this offseason. She denied all of them, denied even interviewing for them, which tells me one thing. It tells me she knows something that everybody else doesn't. And I do believe she's the, the person that's going to take over this team and move forward with this organization when they decide or Brian Cashman decides to step away. So I do believe that this will be Brian Cashman's last hurrah. And I think Hal will give him the best chance to win this year to say goodbye. So I do believe that you mark my words. Remember, I said this job. I'm the first person to say this, that Ng will be the new GM of the New York Yankees after this year. And I and, and I think you're wrong. And I will say this just because of what they've what they've done. And, and how they have basically presided on all of all of kind of what Cash and Booney and and Girardi and, and everything from that. They they've had a woman in the front office for a long time. Mm-hmm. And she's still there and she is prevalent in everything that it does. You bringing in Brad Osmus. If you don't bring in, and I agree, if you don't get both of those dudes and make and make a move, I don't, I don't, I don't think that you don't even you don't stand a chance. Because we've seen what we've seen what it is, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen what it is. Now you add another one, like obviously signing Carlos Rodon, but being healthy and I understand getting hurt and, and, and shit happens. I get that. I understand that. But you logistically think you can get Soto and Yamamoto at the same time? 100%. Yes. And I think the Yankees will. Because Yamamoto is going – they don't have to pay Swan Soda this year. Garrett Cole is going to opt out of his contract next they're year. Still gonna, they're still going to – depending on what San Diego wants to give up mm-hmm. in, in that aspect – you're still going to pay part of what Soto does. Yes, of course. Thirty, I think it's thirty-five million. I think it's thirty-two 30, for the 32. arbitration. Yeah, yeah. 32. thirty-two million. And I, I and I do believe, um, with everything that we've seen, uh, Garrett Cole at the end of this year has an opt-out clause. If he wins or he's a runner-up for a Cy Young this year, he's going to opt out of that contract because he's still thirty, thirty-two, thirty-three. Jacob Degrom just got a three or four, thirty-three. So he's. Jacob DeGrom got a three or four year extension from the the Texas Rangers. He will get somewhere along the lines of that kind of money. I think he will opt out of the contract. The Yankees will not re-sign him in the offseason. They will let him go. 
They move Yamamoto in that number one spot. They have Rodon, and I think that's what the Yankees are going to do, and they're going to pay Juan Soto. That's what I believe they're going to do. So, so you're so you're saying they're playing for 2014? Yes. Or 20, 2024. 2024, yes. They're playing for 2024, and then I, I think they have a plan. I, I think Hal Steinberger has a plan moving forward on where he sees and what he sees this roster to be in the future. Dominguez will be the future center fielder for this team, as I believe he will be. Um, I do believe, and I'll say this very, and it's sad because I, I like the kid. I, I love I, I love the young talent that the Yankees have brought in, and, and Torres is a great young talent, but I, I don't think the Yankees are going to be willing to pay him between 250 and 300. He's going to be asking for that. And um, I, I think he's going to be gone. He's in the prime of his career. He's still very young. And I think teams are going to look at a second-base power hitter that can hit for average and hit for power to be, you know, look, look what the Cubs did, adding a, a non-power hitter for their shortstop position. So I, I, I can see, and he didn't make, he, I, mean, I think he went at 180. Yeah, kind of a da- yeah he didn't kind of down, down here. $180 year, million. So. Dollars. I, I think Torres is going to get a lot more than that. So um, I, I, I don't think the Yankees are going to pay him. So I think the Yankees are going to trade him. One way or another, if it's not this offseason, during the season, uh, they're going to move Torres. And I, I, I think the Yankees have some good young prospects still. Pereza, we don't know what he is. The Yankees got to play him for a full season to see if he could figure out what the back can do for him. I, I think there's been a big problem. Everybody keeps questioning Volpe if he can hit for average. The guy won a the guy won a Gold Glove this year in his first year. He's the first Yankee shortstop to win a Gold Glove in his first year at, at, at playing shortstop for New York Yankees. He's the first Yankee and first player to ever hit twenty or more home runs and stolen over thirty bases thirty bases in his rookie season at the shortstop position. He's the the guy. He just needs to figure out how to hit for average. When he does that at, at 22, 23 years old, when he does that, he's going to be a sensational player. I think the Yankees have some good young talent on this roster. Yeah, but you're going you're gonna to have to give up something. Of course. Of course. You're going to have to do that. And, and when you're getting in, in, like everybody says, giving generational talent like Juan Soto and, and those guys. And do, do I think – Honestly, like he is, yes, one hundred percent. But you, you're you can't have all these other ones and not give up something. Like in the and that's where in our conversation is the understanding of who do you who do you give up? Because you're gonna give up you're gonna give up somebody. You're gonna give up somebody, mm-hmm. and you might give up two somebodies. So are you winning to win in 24 and like, all right, like you said, Garrett's going to opt out after he's done what, like let's win now. And then who the hell cares? Whatever happens after that, like who gives a shit? (laughs) So I, I mean, I, I don't know that question, man. And it's, it's, it's me watching baseball and, and understanding it. I, I just don't understand what they're doing in the things that they have, like you're going to have to give up people. Of course. 
And I think the Yankees are giving up Michael King and Thorpe are two sensational. I think Thorpe could be a, a rotational type of player that could be a one or a two. And Michael King, I still think he's special. And I think the Yankees and valuable in so many roles. Yeah, so. so valuable in so many roles, like you were, Java. And uh, I, I think. Michael King is going to be the big piece. The Yankees were not willing to trade Volpe or Dominguez, and they didn't have to. And we'll see how this trade goes. I think this trade is going to go through. I mean, it's pretty It's pretty close. It, they, two players. It wasn't Michael King that has physical problems. I did not hear anything with that or, Th- or Thorpe. Those were the two players that they wanted. The other guys... I, I'm sure it's it's going. They'll be able to fill in those pieces to 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 close the deal and close the gap for them. So, so I will I will just say from my guys, and I'm I'm literally looking at my phone right mm-hmm. now. It's medicals on the San Diego side. Okay, so it's Grissom. So it's it's medicals on the San. No names, no nothing. Okay. It is medicals on the San Diego side. So are, are the Yankees willing? Are the Yankees willing to take Soto if he has a medical problem? You know, and we'll see. I, I don't know nothing. They don't pay me to fucking talk about it. I don't know, <laughs> but this is literally from a dude at winter meetings, and right. so Soto's pretty durable it's, too. It's surprising. It's a, it's a very, very valuable source, and and he is he is a great friend to me. Okay. But yeah, they it's 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 just it's medicals on the San Diego side. So I don't he goes, that's the holdup. Mm-hmm. He goes that we and they haven't even got and literally this was fourteen minutes ago. Okay. So right. so what's good about that, Chapa, is if the Yankees do make the trade and, and they do take that trade, maybe because of the medical problems that one or maybe two of these guys have they don't have to trade Michael King. Maybe they they could just add a player, take Michael well, King out. You can out. keep one. Yes, yeah. and you keep one. You, yep. you can keep one or flip flop whatever it yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah. flip flop a player or, or two mm-hmm. and 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 keep one or two. Uh, you know, probably one of the two guys, Michael. King. Because if it is Juan Soto and he isn't one hundred percent healthy, uh, I think the Yankees will still make the trade. I, I mean, or they could maybe take on even a better hitter from the Padres lineup too. Maybe yeah. and return to like a Cronenworth or something. Like yeah, that. The, the Yankees. The reason why they want to trade Grissom uh, uh, is because he's uh, one more year back, and they he I think he's owed eight to ten million, and the Yankees will take on that contract just to save yeah, them a couple eight. of bucks. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm take a couple of bucks on just to, to give them what they want. And the Yankees could use another outfielder that could fill in. So um, I, I do believe, like Speedy said, I I, th- I have a feeling because of this, the Yankees will sit for 24 hours and then kind of renegotiate the deal and say, you know what, we're still we're still interested in closing the deal on. So we're not going to walk away from the Soto deal because, hey, Soto has a broken toe, okay? We'll, we'll take Soto still. Uh, we'll take Grissom. But you're you're going to have to take one of these guys that we don't want to give up off the board. So is either Michael King or Thorpe. We're keeping one of them, and then we'll add another player or two, and we'll close the deal and and let's 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 make this deal. So because nobody's going to make the trade for Soto if Soto has a significant injury. Look at Correa. Look at Correa. I, I, the only team that took him back was the Twins, and he lost, he lost a, a load of money for it. I, I, the Yankees aren't going to walk away from Juan Soto because he's 25 years old, and if if it's a knee injury or something like that, that might need to be, you know, in the off season next year, a meniscus or something that needs to be cleaned up. I think the Yankees would say, you know what, we'll still take Juan Soto. It's just a meniscus injury. We could fix that. So, 
Well, yeah, and, and but that's the same thing too. It's it and and where where I come into the other, he already turned down fifteen for four forty. Mm-hmm. Already turned that down, and I've sat in a clubhouse with Scott Boris when I was in college for him to be my agent, and I understand what Scott Boris is, and he is Scott Boris. <laughs> But at the same time, if you're going to turn down 440, do do you want to as as the Yankees take over the 32 million and then and then now it's now you're taking on over a billion with two two dudes because Garrett, like you said, probably is going to opt out. Mm-hmm. So you got three dudes. If Garrett doesn't opt out, you got three dudes over a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Are they going to do it? But my whole thing is I don't give a damn if you make a dollar or if you make a billion. Are we winning? Yeah. And that's it. No more, no less. I don't care. Do not care. World Series changes everything. I agree with you, man. And you know because you won two of them. So winning a world championship and being on top of the world means everything to the New York Yankees. And when the Yankees are having the longest drought of their existence, uh, and now you're going into the 14th season where they haven't won a World Series, you you wonder when's the next time they're going to win. And, and I, yes, the Yankees have, are going on a streak where I don't think it'll ever be broken. I think the, the streak now is 35 or 36 seasons with uh, a winning record. I don't think you'll ever see something like this again. Uh, it, it is unbelievable. You say whatever you want, and you, Jabba, you are part of this. You'll never see a winning, you know, a, a team for so many different different managers, different players, and still have a winning record. It is it is amazing. It, they're not winning World Series, and I don't know. Everybody says it's all about winning World Series, but when you have a streak like this, it, it's it's impressive. You say whatever you want about the New York Yankees. You want to hate the Yankees. You want to love them. The evil empire. They're not the evil empire anymore because they haven't won in fourteen years. But it, the fact is. This is a winning organization, and they will continue winning, be winning. What scares me about that is that that's the way Hal Steinbrenner is selling it right now. Hey, wait a second. We've had winning seasons for 35 years in a row. How many teams have done that? We're still still opening up our pockets. We still have the second biggest payroll in the major leagues. So, you know what? I don't want to hear you complaining. We still have great players. We still paid our, our star player, Aaron Judge. I don't want to hear it. That's not enough for a Yankee fan, and I, I I understand the Yankee fans, but I was Jabba. I was at the game. I was at the Padres and Yankees game this year, and I was sitting right behind Juan Soto in the bleachers, creatures right over there, sitting right behind him, and these Yankee fans were tearing this kid apart, just screaming at him, saying stupid. I'm not going to say it on the radio. I don't. I was about to say it, but saying. And I I turned to them. There was like five of them, and I turned to them. I was like, you do realize. That this guy could be a Yankee in a year or two. What are you, an idiot? I mean, do you want this guy to be here? Do you want this guy is one of the best left-handed power hitters in baseball? And you're yelling at this guy and screaming at this guy and calling him all these disgusting names. And 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 so, and, what, so, so why 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 not that let, let it go? Mm. Why not bring Cody Bellinger? Why not? I don't want Cody and, Bellinger. I don't want him. I I, I don't want him. I I this I know I you can get him he he cheaper. has a pedigree he mm-hmm. he grew up here he he knew what it is he understands it and and you can do it and 
I know he's probably going to draw multiple year offers, obviously, just because of the year he had. But I, I honestly will 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 say this is I think he could be better fit for if you want to win in 2024. Because then you're not worrying about anything else. I agree with you because you don't have to worry about him leaving and fleeing at the end of the year. I, I agree with you with that. But I, I think Juan Soto left-handed, left-handed power, he, I, I, and I know what you're going to say. So does Bellinger, and, and I, I understand that. But Juan Soto, he's fit to play in New York. His swing is fit to play here. The way he hits the – I was at that game. He had home run in that game. I, you're I, only you're only you're only talking about baseball. Yeah. You realize there is more that goes into it. AJ Burnett was a phenomenal pitcher. I loved AJ Burnett. Mm-hmm. He was he was not fit and and I literally just talked to him. He wasn't fit. Why did he succeed in Pittsburgh? Because that was his culture. That was his thing. So there is so many things that go into signing somebody where his dad played here. You know it. You understand it. Dude, you bring in Juan Soto and he's like, oh, yeah, it's it's a big market or whatever. Dog, if you can't handle it, you can't handle it. Mm. And then next thing you know, you don't you don't do the things you're supposed to do. Yeah, because everything overwhelms you. So there, there is there is that part of it where too, like I I want it to be an aspect if if they're gonna sign somebody, dog. It it it's not only they're great and we know they're great, but man, you got to handle this. You got to handle this, and this is a part of it. Yeah, I, I agree with you, John. I agree with you, man. I, I, and so, and, and I don't, I don't know if if he's if, if he's ready to handle that. I don't know. It's just, it, it, I, as a Yankee fan, I sit here and I I never played professional baseball. You did, and you played eleven years, and we all know you and respect you for who you are. I I, I wonder, and, and it seems like this is going to happen. This is. This is going to transition one way or another. The Yankees are going to get Juan Soto. Like I said, we really appreciate you, and uh, I, I, I listen. No, I, I appreciate I appreciate you guys, and I, I just man, it's just it, it, it's watching it from afar, and, and you guys in the aspect of what you do too. It's like man, there's there's so many options that we can do, and I, I think to put put all of those dudes in the right situation, of course. And 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 that's that's at the end of the day, really, kind of what I'm saying is like make sure that like it's the right situation for everything, and like and and I'm fortunate enough to obviously be friends with guys and and certain stuff, but I think they can do better, and I, I think that's just kind of like where I'm at, where you know I I I watch games every day and I see all that stuff. And I think that's what you guys understand is like when you talk about all of it, it's like it doesn't matter what it is. It's just like are are they 
good or are they in the best position that they can be in? And, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's really it. Well, I, I hope the Yankees are going to be in better con- better position to win if you had a Juan Soto and maybe you get a Yamamoto. We'll see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I do believe that one way or another this deal will uh, happen by tomorrow. I, I think the Yankees will figure it out. It will make sense. And I, the only thing that it, that you're telling us right now, and uh, by the way, breaking news, Job is saying that it is not with the Yankees. It's none of the Yankee players that the Yankees are adding to the trade. It is either Soto or Grissom, Grisham, that is the ones that are injured, and that's why this trade has not gone through yet. So, very interesting. And uh, job. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't even get a blow that on my own podcast. You guys <laughs> well, I'm going to so. help you out here, Jabba. This is breaking news by Jabba Chamberlain. So and you it's can not take that. Breaking. He literally was like, "It. It. It's on the San Diego side." So I don't. I don't know what they're doing. Mm. It's Nobody knows what the Padres are doing. Well, the Padres are are known to uh, do stupid things, as they've given not one, not two, not three, but four three hundred million dollar players. They were both of our World Series picks at the start of the year. <laughs> made us look really bad. <laughs> Don't you what love the, the Padres? Same, at the same time, as you say that, Speedy, AJ AJ will do what AJ does, and he's done it. Yeah, <laughs> no question. Uh, it's crazy. How, how much money they and by the way they they didn't have enough money to pay these guys, <laughs> and hence the reason why they're willing uh, to trade Juan Soto away for you know a bag of nuts. <laughs> in in a lot of people's you know what people are saying all over social media, the Yankees are giving up a bag of nuts for one of the best players in the league. But hey, listen, the Yankees gave a bag of nuts up for John Carlos Stanton. I mean, if John Carlos could stay no, healthy, that, yeah, and I don't disagree with that too. And it, it, it's it in. You look at all these guys, too, and, like, it's crazy because we were talking about this today and what CY is doing and everything. Like, he brought in dudes with culture that wanted to be a part and understood what they were trying to do. And not only on top of that, and I'm not saying Booney isn't isn't the right dude, but then you bring Brad Osmus, who was one of my managers. Mm-hmm. Where now you have that, like, you got to bring in dudes that are dudes. Like, you have to have the Brett Gardners of the world. You have to have those guys. And, like, yeah, a Juan Soto is great. Don't get me wrong. Like, he's not. What I'm saying is if you don't have the pieces to fit the puzzle, they don't fit. They don't fit. They should hire you. They should hire you. And and they, they have seen that it hasn't fit. In the in and it's it's the analytical part I think too kind of has has changed a lot of it, but also too like why don't you have a dude that just has feel? Look at the last three World Series. Who were they? The last three World Series: Braves, mm-hmm. Braves, Astros, Astros, Phillies, and then Snicker, yeah, Dusty, and Bruce Bochy. You think they were looking at a damn book no. and they're analytical? No. You think they did that? No. No. They did not. And that is exactly what it is. And 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 it's it's unbelievable to me to see how you guys want to be so analytical. See why went to Bruce Bochy and was like, yep, here. 
By the way, you being the thirteen. By the way, Jabba, I picked Texas to win before the playoffs, so everybody can eat it. I said it. You can sit on it. And and by the way, the guys at the bagel shop and the pizzerias that sat there and they said, "Hey, Errol, I was listening to your show yesterday. I think you're on drugs. How could you think Texas was going to win?" I said, "Hey, I've got a name for you, and you can seal it and deal it." Bruce Bochi. That's what I said. I said, best manager in baseball. He's been the best manager in baseball for a very long time. And you could sit on it. This is the third time. This is the third team he's taken to a World Series, by the way. Third. And he's won how many World Series now? Four. Four. Five. That was four. It no, was four. he lost to the Padres. Yes, he yeah. lost to the Padres. Yes. Oh, he did lost to the Padres. Yes. You're right. You're yes. Right. He, he's, he's, he's won four. And, uh, I, I think he's a special manager, and I, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. There's no question that Bruce Bochy is going to the Hall of Fame as a manager. And uh, Jim, Leland, Jim Leland just went in. Yes, yes, by the way, love Jimmy Leland. I met Jimmy Leland years and years ago in Florida. He was at a Yankee game, and he was standing outside. He was hanging on the fence, and I, I was telling one of my friends, I was like, that's Jimmy Leland. And they were like, what the hell is Jimmy Leland doing at a Yankee game? A Yankee uh, preseason game? I say, I don't know. Why don't you ask him? <laughs> was he your manager in Detroit, or did he retire the year before you got there? No, he 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 yeah, he was there before. Oh, I, it was the first year of Brad. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. but he, I mean, he was always there. It was, mm-hmm. I mean, it was awesome getting to talk to him. And you know, he'd literally be sitting there smoking a cigarette, and you know, just just being him. Oh. And you know, it was cool listening to him on MLB Network uh yesterday mm-hmm. and and listening to him just talk about how much the relationships and that's kind of what we were talking about a little bit is how much that means to win mm-hmm. and 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 what what that means and to understand and like why he always walked the outfield and why he always did that and it's because it, it means something it means something and it's become so analytical in the aspect where that personal part of what it is of like just getting to know somebody and knowing your guys like man maybe he's having a badass day like hey you good like just put a put an arm around him you know what i'm saying and and it's just i don't think that happens enough and you have these old school guys that that do that, mm. and and I think that's that's really an integral part of what they're doing because it's important. Like I I want my manager to freaking put arm around me and be like, "Hey, you doing good, Errol? You doing good? Like, is everything fine?" I don't know. I don't know, Jabba. Uh, I don't know. I I was sitting on a toilet for twenty minutes because I was drunk. And I was winded. <laughs> I couldn't believe he got winded. <laughs> Who gets winded and sits on a toilet bowl? <laughs> Somebody that didn't want to dance in that current moment. <laughs> I couldn't believe he said that. He was like, I got winded. I didn't know they were leaving the second like, place. Who gets winded doing that? <laughs> No, no, no! I was dancing before that, Java. So I—it's his party. We're, all of a sudden, this other his friend tells me that we're switching places. All of a sudden, and I, so I figured I went this, to the this is the truth, Java. My girl, my sister's boyfriend was carrying around a bottle of tequila. 
Okay. And he gives him a shot of it. As soon as he drank the shot of it. That was not the, that he time. Was, that was he, an hour before He that. went right into the bathroom. No, it was an hour before that. Don't listen to him. <laughs> He's spreading lies now. <laughs> oh, man. He can't handle his liquor, man. No, when I was tired no, from dancing. Not. That was an hour before that. He's lying. <laughs> Don't let him twist stories. Oh, it, I, Jabba, I could tell you stories. I won't do it on air on things that this guy, he's been working with me for five years. One of the most talented broadcasters in the business. I'm not going to lie. This guy analytically will blow your mind when it comes to sports. Analytically, he could tell you what the score and who hit what in the World Series in 1996. This guy is unbelievable. Uh, but uh, well, it the, wasn't the Braves because they won in 95. That's so. true. That's true. <laughs> that's right. We know who won in 96. Uh, but uh, I, I will say this. We, we sit here and today and, and somebody something I would say to you as, as a person and a person that I followed uh, your career, uh, I think – your career would have went into that directory of directory of being a Hall of Famer. You were a fantastic pitcher. I think Brian made a big mistake. I think he should have kept you in the bullpen, and you should have been the the the, the future closer mm-hmm. for the New York Yankees. And you'd probably still be closing for the Yankees. I honestly believe that. If he kept you there, I think you wouldn't have had all those other problems in your career. Uh, that you did honestly like and and sorry to cut you off but Errol, i'll I'll tell you you know honestly what it did Mm. it made me a better man Mm. and that is first and foremost and i don't i don't care i don't care i know i know it was handled the wrong way and i know it was it was not done the way it should have been and but it made me a better father it made me a better man mm. and i am thankful for that i am i am grateful for that because i was pissed off i would i would go to my room and i would be pissed but you know what now i don't get pissed you know and it made me a better person so i am so grateful for it i am i am so grateful for that and then yeah, it was done wrong, and everybody will have their rights and wrongs of it. But man, no, I I don't have any mosty to anything. It just it just made me a better person. Well, I want I want to let you know that I you were one of my favorite players uh, in the time that you were the pitcher that you were, and and I still look at you as one of those guys that I I look up to as a pitcher for the New York Yankees, and uh, you'll always be a Yankee. And uh, hopefully we'll see you uh, at Yankee at Yankee games. Uh, you know, at Old Timers Day. I would love to see you there. And and I, I said I wouldn't go to Old Timers Day until I got forty. Okay. Ah. All right. All right. Well, I want to well, see you I, there. I, I got I got a couple years. Oh, I want to see you there, Jabo. I, I think fans would love it. And uh, you you are a special player to a lot of fans out there. And and it's it's unfortunate. But fortunate to 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 see what you turned out to be as a father, and as a brother, and and uh, as a, as a person that really stands for what the Yankees were and what the Yankees still are. So thank you, and and I want to get you on the show again. I want you to be a friend of the show. I, I I'm happy that you've been on the show for over an hour. It's it's 
one of the longest interviews we've had. And you want to know something? A lot of these, a lot of these guests that we have on the show, they'll tell us like, we only have 15 minutes, and then they come on the show and they shoot the. I'll, I'll I'll curse on the show. I don't usually curse on the show. Shoot the shit with us, and then they can stay on for an hour. And they're like, man, how time flies. I didn't think I could stay on a stay on a call for for an hour, but we appreciate you, man, and. Uh, Stay in touch. We will be in and, touch. And that's with you. the same thing. Being being in this in in the same way, like you know, having guys on. It's like if it happens to be thirty minutes, if it happens to be fifteen minutes, if it happens to be an hour, like it's just whatever. You you came on the show, and and it's just it's organic. And I I always want it to be organic. I don't want to be faked. I don't want it to be whatever. I just want it to be a conversation. And just have fun with each other. Mm. And and that's it. Like I told, I literally, I, I said the same thing to Jerry. And he was like, oh, turtle from Entourage, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hey, we're just going to do like a 20 minute segment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, an hour later, then you're just telling stories. So yeah. it's about good people. Of it's course. about great things. And that's it, man. When people give you those things, no, nah, that's that's not the people you want on your show. No, nope. and that's that's not it. So, man, I am happy and I'm honored and I'm privileged to be in this situation. And and thank you guys for, you know, asking me to be on the show. And and you guys are doing really good shit. Thank you, man. And it's it's awesome, man. So thank you so much. I am I am proud to be what I am. I am I'm proud to be Carter's dad, but at the same time, I got a dude rocking a Chamberlain jersey. I can't I can't say anything else. You know? <laughs> I told you, man. I was telling him. I was like, I'm going to pull out the old Chamberlain jersey. I I don't own a lot of jer. I I don't own a lot of Yankee jerseys. I own a Yogi Berra authentic Yankee jersey. I own a Don Manley jersey. Hey, do you have these? Hold on. I get I gotta run out of my office real quick. Oh, let's do you see. have these? Oh, let's see it. Hold on. Let's see this, Java. Let's see. What do we got? What do we got here? Who do we got? Java's grabbing it. By the way, I got that that background Yankee Stadium picture right there. I got that picture. I have that exact picture by that Jamba Chamberlain has, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Which one? The one right back there. The, I would say, rectangular Yankee picture right there. Right smack in the back between the umpire and whatever's on top of it. That I have that same. Yeah, that was our World Series in 09. Yep, I have that same picture, by the way. No, so do you have the Yogi Berra socks? No, I do <laughs> not. I don't. I do not. I got to get them. I got to pick them up. Got to pick him up, Jabba. So I, I, I definitely do. I'm a Yogi Berra fan. I'm also I, – I, I, by the way, if anybody hasn't checked Yogi Berra's Netflix documentary, boy, oh, boy, it's, it's definitely a must-see. Go check it out. It's on Netflix. Fantastic. Yogi Berra socks right there. Um, and I know you knew Yogi. Yogi was always at the games and stuff like that. But um, I, you're the one of only – Don Mattingly, Yogi Berra. And you, those are the only Yankee jer- Oh, and I, I don't have a judge. I have my own jersey with my own number, with my name on the back of it. I, I made it. It's authentic. Uh, that's it. But I have those are the only three, four, three Yankee jer- jerseys I own. Uh, and you're one of my favorites. So I, I've I've grown up. 
understanding, you know, what you are and, and who you, what you stand for. And I'm looking forward to seeing what your son's going to do. I, I know he's a, he's a baseball player and I know uh, he would love to follow in his father's footsteps. Like a lot of ex, you know, professional baseball players, AK Vladimir Guerrero jr. And obviously you said, Bichette, Bo Bichette, yeah, uh, Jackson holiday, yeah, ba- so, Biggio, yeah. Yeah. all these guys, all these guys. And they turn out to be really great players in the league. So, I'm looking forward to seeing what your son's going to do. And, man, let's stay in touch. My Speedy will send you my Twitter. Follow me. I'll follow you, and we'll be in touch, man. I really want to stay in touch with you. Sounds good. I appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Jabba, a.k.a. Mr. Closing Chamberlain. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, and there is no Jabba rules here. This is all <laughs> of Jabba. We'll call this this segment all of Jabba. So there you go. Uh, Jabba Chamberlain, ladies, and he has a nice beard, by the way. He's oh, got, yeah. It's everything. I mean, he's 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 taking care of that muff, and he he's he's looking good, man. He's got more hair on his face than he ever had. Thank you to the Yankees. Not yeah. anyways. <laughs> Yankee facial hair rules. Gotta love it. <laughs> anyways, it's been a great show, and again, great great guest as as we always do. Matt Musico, Jabba Chamberlain, uh, one of my favorites, and. It's pretty good yet, man. Mm-hmm. Jabba is a Jabba is a cool collective guy. Oh, and yeah. I, I, I love his personality and I love his stories. And he's down to earth. We we had a great conversation. And listen, it, when you have a good conversation with somebody that actually loves the game and understands the game, you can go on and on. I, dude, we could have probably spoke probably two hours with Jabba Chamberlain, and it would have went as fast. So it's it's when you when you understand somebody and who he is as a person and and understand what he stands for that that. That's the main, the main thing you look for in yep. an interview. So. And also taking shots at Kevin Euclid. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't stand Kevin Euclid. I never liked him. And if you ever watch – anybody seen Moneyball? If you yes. ever watch Moneyball, the first player that uh, – what's his name again? Billy uh, Bean. No, no, no. What is uh, Jonah, Jonah Hill play? I forget his name. Oh, yeah. I forget his name too. He was from Cleveland, yeah. The, the first person he brought up when it comes to the Moneyball statistics and analytics – is Kevin Euclid. And I could, as soon as he said, I couldn't stand, dude, he had the worst, you know, stance, worst swing. I, ugliest swing. And I couldn't stand him on the Red Sox. I couldn't stand, I can, I, I could understand what he is saying, Jabba saying about Kevin. There I you would go. You have an ally. <laughs> Listen, if I ever had Kevin Euclid on this show, I, I, it would be very, very hard for me not to take shots at him as a person. Okay? Because you could tell. As soon as he married Tom Brady's sister, he, he's like, I married Tom Brady's sister. Who the hell cares? So you're saying Who that, the hell is his so sister? You're say, so you're saying that Tim Hardaway, you were hating him as a kid and having him on the show three weeks ago, was the audition for Kevin Euclid in the future. I, listen, there's, there's something about Timmy that I respect. Timmy knows that New Yorkers know sports. They know basketball. So I think Timmy respected the fact that he was coming on a New York, you know, we're New York based show. And obviously we're we're we talk all sports, but we're based out of New York. Right. I think Timmy understood that when he was gonna join the show that he he understands what we're all about and how we're going to be intentive on uh, on not attacking him in ways where it's going to make him feel uncomfortable. And I, I didn't want to – and I told him straight out, you guys heard what I said. I said, you know, I didn't like you as a basketball player. So I hated you. And he laughed. He giggled, you know, because I didn't. I didn't like him. As, but as a person off the court and who he is and what he stands for, I respect Tim Hardaway. 
I respect him as a as a person, as a man, as a father. And I, I respect everybody. It don't matter if you, I didn't like you as a player. That doesn't mean I don't like you as a person. It, 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 when, when it comes to sports, you're there to get away from everything that's going on in your life. Life is so hard. And and I think people forget that. And when you get a chance, like even Jabba, Jabba will tell you, and Jabba was having fun. He's, oh, yeah. You know, he was just like leaning back, just telling stories and just leaving it alone, just, you know, hanging out. I will tell you this. The one thing that's special about sports media and sports radio that really stands out to me is understanding who you are as a person, as a as a personality and understanding how somebody could reach and understand you when they don't even know you when you're interviewing or talking to them or speaking to them or conversating with them. That is what makes the, the magic when it comes to sports media and sports radio. And this is what I love about it. it it's not, it, it's not the glamor and the superstardom that doesn't stand out to me. That doesn't mean anything to me. What means to me when it comes to media and sports radio is the understanding how I could bring my voice and entertain people through my voice and bring out my personality to everybody that's listening in the world. And that's why I respect everybody that does this in the industry. I don't care if you're the best, you're, you're decent, you stink. It doesn't matter to me. It, it, all that matters to me is, is if you're going to put the time in to work at your craft and get better at your craft. That is what stands out from everything else when you put the time and effort into a bit, you know, this business and, and show your love and your compassion to it. And if you do that, you'll be the best that you possibly can be no matter how hard it is. And, and it, this is a hard business to get into. There's no question. Well said. Um, by the way, thank you to Jabba Chamberlain again, Matt Musico. Uh, thank you to all the fans who we have on tomorrow. So tomorrow at 8.30, returning to the show, our friend Russell Baxter from Pro, Pro, Pro Football Guru yes. will be joining us again. Russ. And at 9 o'clock, returning to the show, our friend Mr. Charlie Slows. Charlie is back. Mm-hmm. And he's better than ever. As I, I spoke to Charlie over the weekend. Nice. Uh, yeah. And Alex, uh, Alex, I told Alex to listen to one of, our, one of our shows. I told him to listen to our Wednesday show. And Alex texted me and said he listened to the show. So Alex was listening to the show a little bit tonight. So uh, shout out to Alex Slows, uh, as we always love the kid. And uh uh, we'll have him on the show uh, and, and, and doing his thing in the very near future. So, uh, again, thank you to all the fans. Keep listening to us. Thank you to all the 20,000 downloads on uh, Apple Podcast uh, for the Sports Loudmouth, which uh, it, I, I'm, I am just absolutely excited. I mean, when I told you, Speedy, uh, to transition our show, you know, by itself, our own identity on Apple. I wanted to see what we were going to draw. I didn't think we were going to draw like this. Um, I want to thank you to all the fans that are downloading our show and listening to our show and, uh, you know, enjoying what we're putting out there as content. Cause, uh, um, uh, as we, as we move forward in 2024, I want everybody to understand that, um, I want, I want this show to be the best. I want this show to be the best in, in the country. And I want people to understand that everything that we do moving forward as far as media and sports and sports related and comedy that we bring out our very best and we give you the best product that we possibly can. So thank you to all the fans out there that tune in every single week and that are fans of ours and keep listening to us uh, as we move into the new year, 2024. We'll be back tomorrow with Russ Baxter and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you. Good night, everybody. You're, you're, You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.